Welcome back to the Akatak Podcast. Jay, unfortunately, will not be joining us this week, as he's been waylaid by bandits. So this week, I am your host, a McDonald's without a bathroom, Z, joined this week by a special co-host, a gas station without gas, Colin, friend of the show. How are you doing this week, Colin? Uh, good. How are you, Z? Oh, it's great. Gra- I, you know, we're very glad to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very glad you're coming in, helping, filling in for us here. Yes. Hello, fellow listeners. That's right. You <laughs> you are a listener of the show. That's right. One of our one of our best, greatest supporters, and we we're very appreciative of that. So we thought, who better to come in for our first special guest guest spot than you? Well, it's and, an honor. And as circumstances worked out, it's a very very good uh, coincidence here, right? Because this week, well, really came out last week, but we're talking about it this week. Uh, Top Gun Maverick came out. And one of your favorite movies of all time is the first Top Gun movie, so... Oh, what a film that is. And Jay uh, famously hates everything, uh, doesn't like watching anything, and he's not here to defend himself, so we'll just pile on him. As also well. refused to go see the new Top Gun movie, he so... He had no interest in Top Gun because he uh, hates America, I believe, were his Some, words. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, he wants the terrorists to win, I think. So uh, he didn't want to see Top Gun. So, you know, it just worked out perfectly. So we went to see it this week, went to see it in glorious 4DX. What an experience that was! It was it was quite the time, wasn't it? It was like it was like we were really there. That's right, yeah. In some ways, so I felt the ocean breeze on my face. That's right. It spit up that weird water that's in those pipes or whatever at us a couple times. So you really felt like you were playing football with Tom Cruise. That's right, and Max Teller. Can't forget about him. That's right. All of them. All the lads are that's out true. there. Yeah. So what do what do we think overall? First impressions. I thought it lived up to the hype because obviously we did not see it right away. I thought it was very good. Um. And it's been getting quite a lot of hype. It has. It's been getting hype. I mean, this movie's been... I've been hyped about it for like two years, so... Well, that's true. Yeah, this had a such a long lead-up because it was originally meant to come out in around this time. I think actually like later um, in the summer, but in 2020. Yeah, well, they, I mean, yeah, they were recording it... Started recording it like three years ago, I believe. Yeah, like three or four years ago. Pre-60 Tom Cruise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he wasn't even in his... I don't, no. know, I, don't I still think he's not in his 60s, but... He was he was mid fifties Tom Cruise back then. He's That's a spring right. he's a spring chicken. I mean, it, it it only made sense. So because of the pandemic and everything, yeah, it just kept getting pushed back, and now they're finally doing it. And like, it seems like they made the right choice because I think you could make the argument it's making even more than it would have otherwise because this movie's going absolutely gangbusters it had now. Two and a half years of hype. Yeah, I mean, I guess it worked in its favor. And like the the big thing that people are saying is that something that came in really clutch for it at the box office is that. You know, because it's a sequel to a movie from the 80s, such a big movie and everything, right? It's bringing in a lot of uh, older audiences that have not returned thus far to the cinemas. In quite like. some time, yeah. Yeah, so it's getting in, like, your your Gen Xs and your, and your Millennials and whatnot. In a way, I guess it hasn't been as much. Yeah, when we saw it the other day, I mean, I don't think there was a kid in there. That's true. There's a bunch of, bunch of oldies. Just all, just all adults, which is, I mean, it's good. It's great. Yeah, and, like... We saw it, a, yeah, it's been like a week since launch, since release when we saw it, and it was still pretty packed in there. Yeah. And again, that was for the 40X showing, which is like your, you know, extra expensive, like 20 plus bucks a ticket, and they were still filling out pretty much. So it's got a lot. Right now, it's sitting at 357 mil at the box office, which is pretty good. Um, Let me see if I can find it. But it had, the opening weekend was like really, really top as well. Like it, it was towards the top. Uh. Okay, so here we, I got some stuff. So the Top Gun 2 is seeing 38% over 45, with the 25 to 34 crowd delivering the best attendance yesterday. So this is for the second weekend. So the second weekend drop-off was only 
33%, which is, that's good. That's quite solid. Yeah. For for most movies. Okay, so the opening we have for Top Gun Maverick, 126 mil, which is a lot. That is a lot of money. So with that, it's not quite record-breaking, but it squeaks into your, uh, well, apparently it's 39. It's not as good as I was thinking, but that's still pretty good. And again, the um, if it if it keeps the staying power, it'll, it, it'll just go know, higher. Yeah, it's definitely going to turn a, a good profit. The point is, all that was to say, um, it's doing well. People are liking it. And the word of mouth is carrying it for sure. Um, right now on Rotten Tomatoes and all, right? And we always talk about like how questionable it is, and it's not not necessarily a perfect uh, rating system for anything, but uh, it actually has a better rating than the original. Wow! By like a significant margin, <laughs> so it's holding a ninety-seven on Rotten Tomatoes, right? The original no, was it? So Top Gun one has, holds a fifty-seven on Rotten Tomatoes, like actually kind of eh, uh, pretty, f- pretty fifty poor. on Metacritic, yeah. right? So you know, I guess the general consensus is that it's like. A significant good better. Yeah. Well liked. Yeah. So let's get into some of the specifics. So how much do you feel? Because I have a bit of a feeling in it before we get into any kind of like spoilers. There's a lot of... Uh, this movie's carried a lot by by the nostalgia, I would say. 100%. Um, To an extent where I, it doesn't... I don't know if it works as much without it, you know? Just on its own, I, I, I would have to agree. Because I mean, like, when you make a movie, like a sequel like this, that's, what, 40 years apart? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got... 40 years of people watching the first one waiting for the, I mean not not knowing there's a second one coming but potentially there could be a second one and you got 40 years of some hype around it a little bit mm-hmm. and uh but I think just on its own it's kind of out of context and kind of just like a random hey this is like a military style movie and it's kind of just like another one of those ones that just because there's a lot of the beats in this movie like they go when they go play they touch the on a lot the beach, of right? they touch on a lot of uh same type scenes in the first and, like, movie that's like the, the football scene, right? yeah. that's that same bar that they always go to yeah that's bar. like that uh the Top Gun bar. Exactly. So, like, a lot of it is nostalgia. And, you know, not that you can discount it, right? Like, this movie obviously doesn't exist in a vacuum. So, it's fair to say that. But, you know, that's definitely going to be where a lot of the enjoyment comes from. And, again, that's that's what drives a lot of big movies and stuff nowadays. You know, there's no doubt that we're in the era of, like, nostalgia and sequels and all that. But I think it's just worth pointing out that, like, yeah, a lot of it is pretty pretty heavily, like, playing off of the original where like if you had just seen them kind of thing you'd be like man this is they're kind of doing a lot of the same movie again right now i would say the big difference is that this movie is actually dealing about like a lead up to a whole a whole actual mission right so the the premise for this one is that instead of teaching a whole class of top gun right they're actually bringing in a whole like you know cast of top gun graduates to potentially fly this special mission they have and like this is to me where some of the other like kind of iffy parts of the movie come through is that the whole kind of premise and and the execution stuff of this mission is a little ridiculous, right? It's very like movie, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a, it's an action movie at heart. You yeah, know like, what I mean, it's this is not far fetched. Yeah, this is much closer to like I don't know, a Fast and the Furious type yeah, movie, <laughs> almost. Yeah, like it's more of like a Dirty Dozen than it is like a uh, Zero Dark Thirty in terms of the, right. the military accuracy and. It definitely kind of shows because, like, this whole premise where we're in, you know, unspecified country, right, unspecified enemy, and we're fighting, and, and we we got to stop them because they're getting a nuclear enrichment facility, unmarked planes, unmarked yeah, guys. Exactly. But they also have gen generation five fighters. The whole explanation, which I don't know if they ever give for why the navy, I guess it's because the navy doesn't have F twenty twos, but you know, the uh, our the the heroes here, the the United, the the brave. 
Navy aviators of the United States, they have to use F-18s in their, the whole movie, they're worried about flying against fifth generation fighters and, and all that. It's like, where's this country that has fifth generation fighters, but not no nukes, right? Because I mean, unless maybe this is me showing my ignorance, I'm not, I'm not any kind of, uh, you know, military expert or anything, but I think that the only people who have fifth generation fighters are us, like our allies that we've sold some to, right? Like the UK and stuff, France, and then like China and Russia, right? So wh- who's this rogue nation that they're talking about? Right. This rogue state who is trying to get like unsanctioned nukes, but also has fifth generation fighters and people to fly them. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then- Kind of points the direction towards two specific countries. Yeah. But like, again, it's like a rogue state. Like, who, who is this? Like we're t- we're talking about Iran has fifth generation fighters or something like they're generally bad guys or whatever, huh? But it's uh, the other thing is like I-, I guess you're you know maybe we're thinking too hard about it because you're not supposed to worry about this kind of thing. But it's right. just, it something I was thinking of is like this is a direct military attack by the United States on this country in this movie. But like we just don't I don't know just never really delved into who it is, and that's obviously on purpose, right? It's the same way in the first one. You know that movie came out at the height of the Cold War, and even then. They go out of the way to not specify, like, ah, this is Russia or this is whoever, right? They're just all black planes, yeah, all black just, everything. They're MiGs. We know they're MiGs. So that could be anyone, right, in Russia or the, yeah, the Soviets or China or, you know, Southeast Asia, Eastern Bloc. It could be anyone in that era. So they go out of their way. And like like you said, they have all black planes and they have the um the totally, like, opaque black visors on yeah. the pilots. So you can't even see, like, who they're supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, you can't so. see anything. It's just interesting, and and I guess the other thing is that, like, the actual mission itself, right, it's very, like, contrived movie stuff, right? It's like, we have to we have to zip around this canyon on our way down, but we gotta go kind of fast, but not too fast, and we gotta, gotta, we gotta go hit all low. the turns. Yeah. It's, and I literally said to you in the movie, right, it's very much like the fucking trench run from Star Wars. Yeah. And there's, there's even more to that, too. Besides just the trench run, there's... Well, so the trench run, and then when they get to it, right? Yeah. So, like, it's like you're, we have to go down this... We have to maneuver down this canyon, which is essentially a trench. We have to stick down in the trench so that the guns can't shoot us. That's literally the point of the trench in Star Wars, right? Yep. And then we have to get there, and then the, they have an ex- literal exhaust port. Well, so they say it's like, like a... three meters wide or something like that? And they literally say three meters wide. Like, they... Yep. It's, it's like they're literally parodying Star Wars or something, because yep. they say... It, they say it's like a ventilation shaft. Literally, literally like on the literally desk. like word for word say that. <laughs> and they have it's only three meters wide, and they have to hit it. And at the end, they I mean, Rooster, right? He does the thing of like Luke, right? Um, t- turning off his targeting computer, right? And being, like the, just yeah, using the force. The targeting laser is literally like it's malfunctioning, and uh, he's like, "No, I, I got it, I got it. It's fine." I just, and he just, I'm doing it blind. He just did it blind. He he hit it. <laughs> like he, he's he did Luke it. Fucking Skywalker, like, yeah. using the force. So yeah. I don't know. Some of that's crazy, and obviously, you know, the other big thing, which is that, of course, because of uh, because of movie, at the end, Maverick also flies on the mission, right? The the fifty two year or whatever he is, right? Navy pilot, uh, who is should by all by all reason probably too old, hundred percent for but ten G's of <laughs> for force. ten G's, yeah. I mean, he is short. He's got that going for him. He right? does. That he does. They say that that's good for pilots because the blood, there's less travel on it, you know? Yeah. It sticks. You're more compact in your frame. So the blood's not zipping all around you as much. Yeah. So for, like, the training, like, the whole movie is about, like, the training for this mission. And during that, Tom Cruise was told from the start that he's not flying the mission. He is training former Top Gun pilots that how to do the mission. And then, you know, he gets... Well, I guess we won't get into spoilers yet. No, we can, we can go ahead. We go. Well, spoilers. Again, I mean, we're already like a week behind, so yeah. full spoilers for this. And 
up to this point, none of the former Top Gun people that he was training could do it. And he was relieved of his duties for training them because they were a week out and they still couldn't do it. So he actually, like in the first movie, stole another aircraft <laughs> from the from the U.S. Navy and did the whole simulated run in, what was it, uh, 15 the two, seconds? The two minutes, 30 seconds. Or two minutes, have. yeah. And he did it in two minutes and 15 seconds. To prove that it could be done. Because right. they couldn't think anybody the could Admiral do it. The Admiral guy, John Hamm there, was going to like just... Uh, Increase the time because no one could do it, and, and just then, have them fly over and get shot by Sam's. Yeah. So and their argument was that like if you just do that, there's no way they're gonna survive. So again, it's just it's such like a movie premise, right? That they have they have yeah they have surface to air missiles along this whole canyon set up like it's like it's like Death Star a, trench, like it's a trench run. Yeah, it's it's kind of absurd. Again, who is this country that like they don't have nukes, but they have a, they have more state Sam, of the art Sam's. They have more Sam sites than you could shake a stick at, and they have. Again, they have like fifth generation fighters and all that. Again, it's it's very much just a premise constructed for everything else to happen around, right? Yep. It's not a very realistic, like you know, uh, accurate mission that navy aviators would be flying in the in the current. You know, presumably nothing like that would ever actually happen, right? Like that's in real just life. Like that's solution. not. I mean, it makes you even wonder. Like they use the uh, the destroyer, right? Is it with uh tomahawks. with the tomahawks to destroy the airfield nearby? Why don't you just launch a bunch of tomahawks at the at the thing? I guess, makes you wonder because of uh, it's in the canyon, so it's the GPS is off or whatever. They yeah, can't, like, something with their targeting system. Again, they they clearly just very much construct of like, all right, so if we make it a big bowl, that's why they can't. And it's just like, would you build a, a nuclear enrichment plant there <laughs> to begin with? But yeah, that. That part Again, was a bit of a mystery. Like but. in the first movie, that's not really what it's about, right? In the first movie, it's even less so because it's all just about them training and then it's training only- Training just to be Top Gun pilots. They're not training yeah. for a mission. They're training to be just graduating Top Gun. And then at the very end, it just so happens that like they're deployed on a mission because just there's some MiGs in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> yep. But in that way, it's kind of similar, right? Because it's you know ultimately, it's about the characters, right? Again, we don't see the the- enemy pilot ever right again they're right. only referred to as the enemy that's not what it's about it's about the the pilots we have right and so the the new cast here of all the the young uh, young guys right so we got rooster who's goose's son we got phoenix who's like you know i don't know she's like the girl she's the token girl unfortunately um and her backup guy is bob he's the weapons guy for them because they have um two of the two of them are gonna be the just just single man, and then two of them are going to have the, the... Yeah, Dagger 1 and 2, and pilot. then it was... I don't remember what the call sign was for the I think it's two. Is it... Yeah, 1 and 2, and then 3 and 4? Yeah, the, oh yeah, it was just Dagger 3 and ones. 4, then are the... Yeah. So, um, then we also have Payday is with... Um, Who else? He's got the backup, and then... Hangman. Yeah, Hangman's he's the other himself. big one. Hangman's the other big kind of character. A lot of these guys... Hangman is, Hangman do, is right? pretty much ice of yeah. this movie. Yeah, if Rooster is Maverick, then... Yes. But also, R- Rooster's not Maverick. So the whole thing is, again, so he's he's Goose's son, right? And from the beginning of the movie, we learned that there's like this uh, tension between the two of them for some unexclosed reason, right? And it's not clear if it's just because... Maverick. You know, yeah, because Maverick There when involved. his father died. Right. If he blames him for that or what it is. But if I, eventually, the rest of the graduates, like, they learn, right? They figure out. They see old pictures in the Top Gun Academy, like rooms and stuff. And so they learn that uh, that's what it's for. Is like they're, They have some kind of history, but they don't really know what it is, right? And uh, throughout the movie, then, eventually it's revealed to us that 
It's not necessarily because of that, because it, yeah, Goose it, blames him for that. Right. It's because uh, when... Presumably after high school. Yeah, yeah. When Rooster was like 18 or whatever, and he applied to the Naval Academy, uh, Maverick pulled some strings to get it denied because he promised his mother before he died that he wouldn't, he would like, he would not let, let him, him follow his father's yeah, path. Because she didn't want him to die in the Navy, basically. Right. And that's where it all comes from. But then also he says, like, there's never really a point where he, he lets him in on that, right? Because he also says, whatever, I promised that to her, but I also didn't actually believe he was ready. And that's what his whole arc in this movie is, right? Is that Rooster has to learn to, like, not follow the rules. He has to learn how to be a maverick. <laughs> that's right. Literally. He yep. has to learn how to, like, let go and, and follow his gut more and just uh, live not in the moment. Think, just not, do, yeah, not think, just do. As they say multiple times in the movie. Not think, just do. And that's what he does by the end. Yeah. Uh, so that's When nice. he saves yeah. Maverick's life. That's Exactly. So they patch it up. When when they're flying the mission, uh, Maverick makes the the sacrifice play when they're just getting lit up by the SAM. A lot of flares because there's, yeah. you know, dozens of SAM stations shooting at them. That's how it seems. So he makes a sacrifice play and he gets shot down. And it's not clear if, for a minute even if they survive. And they're like, all right, we just got to get back. We, they there's were, nothing to do. They were very low and you couldn't see it. You couldn't see him pull the parachute or deploy. And they were ordered just to come back to the ship because they were in... Less superior fighters and yeah. the they were Generation Five uh, enemy fighters were close. Just a random patrol, mm. and he pulled a Maverick and didn't listen. Yeah, and, and he, he he comes back from Maverick. Well, because they're like, "What are you even gonna do? You're in a less F-18, superior, right? Yeah. You're gonna pick him up. You can't pick him up in an F-18. Also, right? with no more rockets, he uses rockets to yeah, blow he's up. He's out of rockets. He just had some guns, I guess. Yeah, but. It turns out he does. He is helpful because Maverick's about to get <laughs> lit up by a enemy chopper. He's running away from an enemy chopper, just lighting him up, and and he makes the play. He comes and he back and he play. shoots it down, but then he gets hit by a uh, surface air missile himself. Yep, and they're both down, but they both eject. They're fine. They get out, and uh, then they like team up because they got to get out of there. And so their plan is not to like radio in for help or get evac or whatever they're just running through um, the countryside they're gonna steal one of their jets <laughs> and they make it to the airfield that they blew up the the runway for and they see an old f-14 there so that like the enemy captured this is what i mean it's just it's even more ridiculous right so there's just happens it's not just what happens like they mentioned it early on they do establish that okay these guys have surplus old m m uh f-14s there that's fine but what's kind of ridiculous is that they have the f-14 there and they're just going to steal it, right? They just walk up unopposed and get into it. Yeah, they just walk the entire width of this airfield. Just there's Russian er, enemy, whatever not they Russian, are. whatever they are, and they're just there's guys running everywhere, putting out fires, blah blah, whatever they're doing, and they're just they're just walking, and just right through it, right through everything. The other thing that's kind of ridiculous, and like they again, they also kind of give an explanation to this because he does like the the risky kind of move there, but the whole point was that they blew up this airfield so that they couldn't use it to take off. And then they just take off on it anyways. Right. It's just that good. And, like, again, at some point, you've kind of jumped the shark a little bit, I think, personally. But Now, might I add, they did break the landing gear off on a water tower as they took off from this broken airfield. Because it was very short. Because he did a sketchy. As Rooster said, we only have the taxiway, which is not So maybe that's what it was. They didn't have the run. The runway was destroyed, but the taxiway was still functional enough. I guess that kind of makes sense. That checks out. So, but then he does some finagling. He does the thing with the wings. I don't know. Where they extend know, them to go, pilot. but he goes real quick, whatever it is. And then I don't know. This is the, probably the most ridiculous thing is as well is at the end there when he literally gets in a dogfight with the fifth gen fighters and he Two beats of them. them because he's it's because not he's the, it's not the plane, it's the pilot. That's right, and they say it for like a third or fourth time. They say it so many times, and like that's that's a bit crazy. Mind I, you, they had no missiles, right? Just just flares and guns. Well, no, they had a couple. 
Oh, oh, he did take the first one out with missiles, and but the like, second one was guns. Yeah, I just don't know. He did Again, some crazy maneuvers I mean, and just outpiloted them. That's not what it's about, I suppose, but still, it feels a little weird. that They're kind of doubling down. Not doubling down. They're kind of coming back on themselves several times here. Yeah, like, it's just a bit much. It's just, clearly they wanted to go much more action-heavy with the stuff at the end than they did in the first one. Which, I, again, I get. Like, you've got to kind of build, but, man, it's a little goofy. It really is. It it. But so then, the other, the only, I mean, like, again, Phoenix is there, and she does a good job, but, like, she's just pretty much solid all the way through, right? The other one who has really an arc is Hangman, who, yes. he's, he has his call sign because he leaves his, uh, like, wingmates out to dry, right? Which he did in the first scene as they were practicing dogfighting. And so his barely arc but like he gets it right i mean we don't really see it happen but it just sort of happens is that he he doesn't right because at the end he comes and saves them so. right and like when they were when uh when maverick announced who like they all passed blah 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 his tests and they were on the aircraft carrier like a couple hours from takeoff and he's he announces who is flying the mission and who is not and hangman did not get ch- chosen for the mission so he was a reserve pilot ready to go in his plane on the aircraft carrier to take off in like emergency circumstances, and Tom Cruise and or <laughs> Maverick and Rooster, they take down the first two Generation Five fighters, and there's one left, and they're out of flares, out of bullets, out of rockets. They got nothing. They were gonna eject. They were climbing to get out to the. They were gonna eject, but the pull tabs above Rooster's seat wouldn't work. So yeah, the mean, they, had, they had no idea. They had the ejection. It was not working. They had. They were just about to accept it, and Hangman came out of nowhere and just took him out. Yeah, uh, he saved him, and that's that's yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and so, they were all happy and stuff. And then, I mean, it's kind of funny because it's the same thing that happened in the first movie, where at the whole movie, Maverick and Ice in the first movie don't like each other because they're the best two pilots there, and they're comp- they're competing to be the Top Gun. And the same thing was with Rooster and uh, Hangman. And then by the end, they're friends, and they, they had that same iconic picture, of them shaking hands. The same thing again. The same like, picture. They do they do a lot of just like going back to the same sort of wells. But. Yeah. Which is, I guess I we mean, should, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so, Val Kilmer is in this movie. Yes, he is. As Iceman. Yep. Um, but Iceman has actually uh, progressed his career in the way that uh, Maverick should have and is now like a three-star admiral. Yep. And so, it's explained throughout this movie that the only reason Maverick has been able to stick around, basically, despite all his, you know constant mavericking yeah, his whole stealing career. planes taking up you know yeah just all his various yeah. shenanigans and acting like a madman and his insistence that even though he's been in the navy for like 35 three decades or, yeah three plus decades and is like 56 or whatever his insistence that he still be an actual pilot and not move on to be a general officer right and it's explained that it's because Iceman always just, like, pulls the strings for him because Iceman is, again, like an admiral at that point. Like, the guy, if not one of the highest guys yeah. in the Navy. Um, but they actually play off of, like, in, in real life, Al Kilmer, right, has um, had the cancer there, right? And so they actually play off of that because in real life, he has the, the struggle with the talking and everything. And so they have that scene, which, like, I, I mean, it's a good scene. And, like, it's impactful, um, especially because, like, now, at this point, right, in 2022... Um, Val Kilmer's like entirely lost his speech at all, right? He can't even talk at all. So yeah, it's right. like it's it has a little more weight even seeing it now because of knowing that. Where he basically tells him like, "Listen, you kind of got to let go," and he he gives him some advice on the uh, in regards to goose, yeah, and dealing with rooster and like how to or uh, yeah, help rooster. that, but also how he's got to like let go a certain extent. 
Um, but like you, you literally turned to me in the movie. You're like, yeah, but I, I saw the previews and I know he goes on the mission at the end, <laughs> and he does. So it does. They kind of undercut themselves a little right. bit, don't they? Yeah, because at that point when he's talking to Ice, he was not told he was going on the mission yet, and he was still trying to figure out who to make the team leader, who should go. That none of them were even coming within any. They, when they were training for it, they had like a four minute window to complete it, and no one was even coming close to that. They were like a minute plus out of. The four minutes, like five minutes, and yeah. none just, of them are doing too good. It is a bit crazy that, you know, he's like, yeah, you got to let go. But then the movie, yeah, very much undercuts its own actual kind of theme to to an extent um, because he does just go on the mission himself and takes the reins and is team leader and everything. Right. But, you know, it is what it is because ultimately by the end of the movie, right, he does come to the full circle. Well, so basically we shall say like Iceman then dies within the events of this movie. Right. Like the next day. Which is like... It's all very convenient plot-wise that happened in right. a three-week window, huh? Which is when Tom Cruise gets taken off yeah. the like instructor. Because the, the new Admiral guy is like, he's not, the Iceman's not there to pull the strings for you, you know? And so... And that's when he steals a jet to but ultimately, uh, get his job back. Tom Cruise, our boy Maverick, right? He does come around, I guess, because by the very end of the movie, after the mission, right, he has let go, it seems. You know, nothing's ever like specifically said in dialogue, but it seems... To be that he's retired from the Navy, and going forward, he's just gonna, like, he's got his plane. Well, I guess we haven't even mentioned Jennifer Connelly yet, but Jennifer Connelly's in this as Penny. Yep. His, um... Who owns the Top Gun bar. Yeah, she's she's bought the Top Gun bar in the intervening years. Um, she is mentioned by name in the first movie as... But no screen time. But no screen time, yeah. She never appears. She's not portrayed by Jennifer Connelly or anything in, in the first one, but she, she is mentioned as, like, an admiral's daughter that Maverick like screwed around with and got in trouble for. Yep. That's her. So I think that's cool that they like at least played off of that. Right. And, um, yeah, they just have like a, a romance in this as well. Yep. It's pretty basic stuff. I mean, it's nothing just to write home about. Yeah. But then at the end, you know, he, uh, they, they end up together and they're, that they do happy ever for after. Yep. She's got her, she's got her daughter and like, I thought that scene where, uh, their, her daughter was out at some friend's house or whatever, yeah. and he was at her house. And when they got home, when, when her daughter got home, they were upstairs, you know, whatever whatever they were doing. And she made him jump out the back window. She's like, I have to set an example for my daughter that you never bring a man home on the first date, blah, blah, blah. And he jumped out the back window off the second floor right into the right in front of the kitchen window. And she yeah, was standing, she was standing there. there. There was an awkward, no, like, no words exchange for like 10 seconds. She goes, don't break her heart again. And then he just walks away. <laughs> Which, like, is interesting. What's interesting about that is it seems to just they've had, like, multiple on and offs, right? Because, again, right. they were toge- they were together at some point prior to the events of the first movie. But then... To clarify, that's not his daughter. No, it's not his daughter. It's her daughter. I wouldn't say. Um, well, no, because remember uh, earlier, he was like, oh, how's oh, yeah, your father? Meant, yeah, yeah, and he course, was, she was like, course. don't know. She says he's living in Hawaii with his wife. Right? Oh, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... At some point after the first movie and then before this one, they also seem to have gotten together again at some point because right. he knows her daughter and everything. Right. They've met the start of this, so. when she was a lot younger. And she was like, what, 16, did you yeah, say? Something, something like that. that. Something like that. So it seems just that because he's now able to actually like retire and, and go out and like this was a good mission for him to go out on. And they say that the whole movie that regardless of the outcome... This is the last time he's ever going to fly in the Navy. Cause they that just was also specifically very stated before he even took the position at Top Gun. So at the end, it's him and his goose, or not goose, rooster, 
and it's Jennifer Connelly and her daughter, and they're, they're just, just working like, on a plane and flying a plane together. Yeah, he's just got a plane somehow. He's got some like World War II airplane he fixed up. I don't know if it's real that nice, but yeah, it's like a, it's just a little. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's just a little single engine yeah. prop plane. It's like a Cessna or some shit. Yeah. He's also got a bunch of motorcycles. Ton of motorcycles. He still has the. Uh, he's just got oh, a what hanger. Is what is he? What is it? What it's is it? It's a. It's got. A, he calls it's it something. Suzuki, right? Yeah. Or is it a? I think it's a Suzuki. Oh, it's called Mach Two. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. The motorcycle from the first movie. Still got that one. I mean, good on it, right? I think it's, it's cool. hung in there. That's right. You got to bring back the same exact one, That's don't right. you? You know what else we didn't talk about? The first. It's scene not a Suzuki. I'm sorry. It's a Kawasaki Ninja. Ah, we didn't talk about the first scene where he's flying like a Blackbird-esque plane. It's true. There's also that. Yeah, he's got like a. They're they're testing a Mach 10. So he, because he still wants to be a pilot and is a bit older, whatever Iceman got him a position test piloting stealth planes, and out in the desert. Yeah, that's where he's living at a hangar out in the desert. And they were terminating the program if the plane couldn't reach Mach 10, which for those of you who don't know is really damn fast. <laughs> He, well, yeah, it's ten times the speed of sound. Right, and let's get that MPH real quick. To keep the program alive, they had to reach Mach ten in the plane, which they said in previous tests only got to nine. So as the which admiral was it? Uh, uh, I don't remember Gaines or something. Yeah, hey, that know. guy at Harris. They were going to have another test flight that day, and they said that guy was on the way to terminate the program to increase the budget for somewhere else. And Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise was like. Well, he's not here yet, so let's just let's he was just doing Maverick stuff and was like, "Hey, let's just let's just let's ha- let's have me up in the air when he gets here." And they did, and he uh he hit Mach ten point three, I believe. Yeah, he and then gets the plane to, he makes just, it up to top to Mach ten, and then he still decides he wants to just go fast. Which because. his who's that? Who's the guy that told him to not go? He's like, you don't you don't got to get to nine point nine. You got to get to ten, not ten point one, not ten point two, not ten point three. Yeah, it's his just um, ten, and uh and then he made name? it to ten. And the plane is, you know, starting to heat up, and all the sensors are going off, blah blah blah, yada yada. And he makes it to ten point three, and then the plane just kind of spontaneously combusts. Which I have no idea how he lived through that. That is, that could, I don't know how a plane falls apart at Mach ten point three, and somehow you survive that, mm-hmm. and you just parachute. I don't. Know, it didn't say where, but he just parachuted in some small mountain town somewhere in the U.S. or something. Um, he's Hondo. Is Tom Cruise's like NCO guy? It seems who's second round, but yes. Yeah, I I thought the same. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned that. But like, yeah, that's in, that's insane. you're dying. There's no not, chance you're not living. Not even just Mach two, right, or three, which like the normal like like an F eighteen can do. Mach ten. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. No sense There's at no all. No way you would survive. Like it shows from like you know a ground view of the plane just tearing itself apart and blowing up in the air. Yeah, it shows a big fireball. It was a big jet thing. Like it literally exploded. Like a, yeah. Like a spaceship or some shit. He's not surviving that. Yeah, no, he definitely. And then it just cuts to him walking inside of a diner. He also would have been very, very high. So he ejected like super high. He ejected right like, in like like <laughs> sixty thousand feet or some. Yeah, like the upper atmosphere or some shit. Like right where those planes fly. So I mean, granted, he wasn't in like a, a space type suit. It's true. He was in like a fancy space suit almost. So I guess that, but like. Gosh. But just the force of that, I don't... They're right. You can definitely add that on the list of, like, just ridiculous shit in this movie. Yeah. Which was not a good start, because that was, like, the first 20 minutes. I didn't even think of that. I'm trying to think, like, have you ever heard that um in the in the military, you can only eject a certain number of times before they ground you forever? Really? I did not know that. Because when you eject, it puts a lot of... uh compre- It literally puts compression on your spine. 
Oh. Right? Getting launched straight up like that at like, right. whatever mock Jesus they shoot you out of that plane. Right, because your chair literally has rockets under it. It like pushes your your spine down. So if you do it like th- I think maybe it's like three or four times like absolute max. Otherwise you're literally gonna start to like damage your huh. bones. And he's well, I mean, we've seen at least twice, right? Yeah, he, he ejected ejects in the first movie. At least twice, yeah. And he ejects in this one, so Yeah. Again, especially at Mach ten, so I don't know. Right. It's just goofy, but and then for one last one last little side thing for that uh scene where they're taking off in the Blackbird that's in the trailer where they uh blow the roof off that little shack when mm-hmm. the general the admiral's pulling up. Yeah. I uh I saw uh, actually it was a video saying that it was from the director saying when they shot that scene they was, it was there was no intentions of the roof actually coming off that little shack. That was kind of just one of those one take things where they're like, "Oh, that was pretty cool. Let's just roll with that." Really? Yeah, that's cool. It's kind of cool. That was not part of the script at all for that the shack to blow over and the roof to blow off. Which pretty was, cool. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. Like so, they did talk about we we got the little um the little message from Tom Cruise at the beginning of the movie. I've seen people <laughs> joking on the internet about like. Because some people, some theaters were getting those and some theaters weren't. And they were like, man, I wanted the special message from Tom Cruise. <laughs> and it was a n- nice little message from from a famous crazy person, Tom Cruise. <laughs> tiny but, Tom Cruise. Tiny Tom Cruise. But um, yeah, he talks about it in that. And like, it seems true is that they really wanted to be accurate with the planes and everything and like really using them. Which he flew in jets. Yeah, he I, was in jets. He didn't fly they didn't let specific it. A- F-18s. He really I, wanted to and the Navy was not a They were not, not about to let him fly him. Million, millions of dollars of planes. <laughs> take the take the controls on that one. But he, he, experienced, he also experienced some Gs too. Well, they oh, all yeah. did. All the pilots did. Yeah, he's allowed to drive a motorcycle off a cliff if he wants, but they did not let him. Right, that's right. <laughs> they did not let him fly their uh Did you see the, uh, there airplane. was an interview where someone was like, man, Tom Cruise, all these crazy movies you're doing? What kind of licenses do you have? And he's like, well, I have a pilot's license, a commercial pilot's license, a jet license, a car license, motorcycle license, and my real estate license. <laughs> and I thought it was kind of funny because I was like, wow, Tom Cruise has got all the licenses. Because well, in Mission Impossible Fallout, he does actually fly a helicopter for a while. So, Oh, yeah. Helicopter license as well. Because like, there's Grab no way to that. film, apparently. There's no way to, good way to like fake that. If you're really trying to commit to it, because you get the other it's pilot. Just a cockpit. Yeah, it's just a helicopter cockpit. Like, what else do you even do? So, he just did that for some of those shots. So, that's pretty sick. Yeah, but I mean, we've been kind of dragging a little bit of like the accuracy stuff, but I think I would assume most people going into this are not that worried about it, right? Oh no, that's not what you go to see this movie. Like we said at the start, it's just a very ultimately it's a popcorny like action movie. Hey, man, again, it's Top Gun, right? Like that's like the quintessential like. Just fun action movie. So right. if you're into that, then like you're definitely gonna get that. And again, it still has some of the emotional beats, right? Of course. It's like the same stuff as in the first one to a certain extent. Uh, I guess luckily in this one, no one really dies other than Iceman, who you know, right? Well, sad is like you know he was old and everything and he had to cancer and all. Which I don't know. How do you think Val Kilmer feels about that? <laughs> is being put in a movie where he dies of cancer when he's got? <laughs> Can't that is a uh, that, that is a tough pill to swallow. Isn't that a little uh, grim. Yeah, that is. I kind of had that thought. I was like, oh my god, they they killed him, but he's still he's still kicking in real he's, life. Yeah, Poor Val Kilmer. Um, I mean, I don't know how he would have killed him off, but I mean, that is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure he was compensated quite nicely. I'm sure he'll be it just, all right. It's just wild. Like the actress from the first movie, um, whose name escaped me. I'll get it real quick. But she's spoken out in this one. Um. Be that like they didn't even ask her to do it because it's Kelly McGillis is her name, um because she, you know she doesn't look young anymore. Right? She was She's, also older than 
Yeah, she's a little older than Tom Cruise to begin yes. with in the first movie. But she talked about how, like, yeah, she looks her age and she thinks it's a bit of, like, basically ageism in Hollywood of, like, why didn't they ask her to come back? Right. And it's because she doesn't look as young as they would expect everyone to. Right. There was a there was a meme going around of a comparison of Tom Cruise and her now and, now and then. And she's, uh, like, she's kind of right, right. They 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 really didn't do any favors with the picture they That's chose true. for that. They but really... she also... She's kind of right. Like she just looks more like someone her age. Whereas Tom Cruise is kind of a freak of nature, and like everyone in the who's actually in like the full on Hollywood machine, right, is to a certain extent. So you know, I looked it up. Tom Cruise is actually fifty nine. Yeah. In the movie, I mean, he looks like he's in his forties. Yeah, you, you know? could definitely again. He Tom looks Cruise very looks young. Great. I mean, they've been saying that for years and years. But it's just crazy it's all to that me Scientology. That, yeah, when you put it well, really, when you put him next to Iceman, who is also the same age as him. It's just such a dichotomy of him, who's still like young and virile and flying the planes, and he's still got the the black nice hair, a frail old man with yeah. silver hair. Because that's what, yeah, you actually people actually look like, right? When you're but fifty nine years old, you know, yeah, they're they're teammates, right? They're like classmates. They're like supposed to be the same age. It's just weird. I don't yeah, know. I mean, there's definitely something to that. But to be like, also to be fair, the age difference between him and Jennifer Connelly is not that crazy by any means. She's fifty two, so yeah, that, that's, that's not, pretty damn close. Yeah, if and she looks honest. good. Yeah, she yeah, she also looks pretty good for age. Again, that's just what the Hollywood machine will do to you. But like, it's one of the more appropriate age differences I can think of in any Tom Cruise movies. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got that. Usually, it's like a, a good old you know fifty nine to thirty five ratio. Yeah, she's got. Yeah, he'll have a good twenty years on him sometimes. Yeah. So you know you got to give him that at least. They didn't go out of their way to give him like a thirty year old girlfriend. It's it's you know she's pretty pretty comparable so that's good again should they have done that like that i don't know but i also think it's i honestly i really do think it's believable and it honestly makes more sense that he wouldn't be with the same woman from the well, age, right because right? he's Cause been he's maverick he's, I mean. yeah he's he's bumping around from country to country flying all these missions for the u.s navy he's going all over the place he just doesn't have time to settle down I don't think that's that hard of a pill to swallow either. Like, I think for storyline, it, it makes sense. And he said something to that effect when they asked him about it. He's like, no, she, Jennifer Connelly as Penny was the right choice for this movie. And I think he's probably right to an extent. I but agree. Again, there is still something crazy about him doing all this. And, you know, I, I think even he is coming around to it at some point here. Like, there's obviously never going to be another sequel of any kind to this right he's got to be done now i couldn't imagine how there would be it again especially within the context of like he's in the military like they don't play around with that they don't let just old dudes stick around do whatever they want again he could stick around for years more if he wanted to be an office like an actual general officer but if you're just going to be but it doesn't seem like he wants that no so the character of maverick does not seem like he would want that role so he retires on a high note with this one and but even with like mission apostle right he's you know they have definitively said pretty much that those are the last two Top Gun movies. And, like, he just kind of, at some point, even he's got to face the music, I guess. Because he's, yeah, he's within spitting distance of 60 now. So. Yeah. I, but overall, we definitely say good, right? I, I think it was a very good movie. I quite enjoyed it. Again, I think probably most people have seen it by now, if they wanted to see it. And we are, like, a week behind. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. a good movie. It's worth seeing. Again, have you seen any for the other hype. big scenes of the movie at all? I think we covered most of it. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, I thought it was neat. Um, they mentioned all the stuff he's gotten up to since then in his career. So between like the the like weird stuff of like yeah, the task pilot and um being he was he also was an instructor briefly at Top Gun for himself. two months. Um, they also mentioned his like, and this just makes sense with the timeline, right? Again, it's been you know almost forty years when you when you're just like oh shit yeah you know since the first movie he flew in Bosnia. 
and then Iraq both times, which makes sense. Yeah. He's a, he was a combat pilot in those, which is, again, crazy. Like, he, you know, in the first movie, it was a time of, like, relative peace. And then, yeah, I mean, it's still relative. But I guess up until, like, yeah, Iraq and everything when he flew again. So, makes sense. Yeah. One other, the scene that I thought was more of the touchy side was when he first went back to the bar and... He broke some rules and had to buy everybody in the bar around, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then his card was declined, and then he got kicked out. And something happened where the jukebox was on. There was a soon of just somebody's hand pulling the plug in the jukebox. And, I think um, Rooster did that so he could play on the piano. So that they were, very well could be. And then Rooster gets on the piano, and they were singing that iconic song that Maverick song. and uh, Goose were singing with with Rooster as an infant Yeah, it was like a little kid. on top of the piano. In that place back in the '80s, which I th- I thought was a real cool scene. And then yeah. you see Tom Cruise standing outside after because he couldn't pay the tab for yeah, buying everybody rounds. They threw him out. It's funny before he met the the cadets or not the cadets the the top gun graduates he was training knew who he was. Hangman, Payback, and one other guy I believe carried him out and threw him in the sand. Yeah, and then he was just standing outside as they were all singing to that song and he was just having a moment and then Penny looks over and just sees him like in despair just staring at them yeah. outside the window and Tom and Maverick's having like you know flashbacks of them singing the song and I thought it was just a nice little I mean he didn't have a good time in that moment but I thought it was a nice little touchy moment to go back on did you want to talk about uh, the music real quick sure so they, they play that they use the theme song of course yep. the top end theme song a little they do a little bit of uh, Danger Zone right shout out Kenny Loggins Shout out Kenny Loggins, but the the big one they did not get Kenny Loggins to do the uh, the general this for this one, right? The uh, the stuff we do get for this one is uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> so that is, yeah, it's kind of fun, huh? <laughs> what did you? I mean, they didn't like blow me away or anything. They didn't I thought out. it was adequate. Yeah, for, I don't think for the film. Yeah, I don't think she uh, is quite up to the level of Kenny Loggins. You know, uh, talking about in no way. Stuff, but That's right. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah, we were going to, like the previews or whatever, and I was like. Did I say Lady Gaga? And then Zach was like, "Yeah, they must be. Uh, they must be doing the music." I think it must have been the when they're playing volleyball. I think or the football. I think that was one of them. And then um, towards the end as well, maybe at the very end when they're like celebrating. Is that also one of? Hers? I believe that is also one. Let's see. So it sounded like it was kind of hard to tell. The main score was composed by Harold Faltermeyer, Lady Gaga, and Hans Zimmer. Gotta love Hans Zimmer. They promoted two singles, Hold My Hand by Lady Gaga and I Ain't Worried by, oh, One Republic. So I guess One Republic did a song. I didn't see their name up there at all. Huh. I like One Republic just fine. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Well, good for them. They also did uh, they did the song. So I guess that's what it was. So, oh, maybe what, was one of them when they when they were, like, making love? Is that one of the, maybe that was the, the Lady Gaga song. Maybe that was. Doesn't tell you where they. Uh, no, I can't. Eh, it's not really important. Yeah, it's just, that's just a side note. But yeah. Uh, there it is. So, yeah, overall, definitely good. Again, I thought it was very good. Take it for what it is. It's not like super highbrow technically. That's just me because I just love the first movie. Yeah, of course. You know, again, I'm probably looking too much into some of this and trying to be analytical and like look at it. But some of the stuff is kind of hard to get over. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. There's definitely some stuff that are a little more minor. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. He's like a maverick. And that shit doesn't really fly in the actual military, but like, whatever. It's a movie. But then, yeah, just some of the like, Physics defying shit. The damn trench run stuff, man. Yeah, it I just gets can't. a little too much. I just like you couldn't come up with any other premise for a mission than than just the trench run. Just right again, just kind of like the dirty dozen, like a copy like and paste the... like replica of the trench run. What's the which is the movie that they do in um the the trench run is famously itself based on like a World War Two movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, the Dam Busters. Oh, 
famously, a lot of the shots are almost directly. So, again, very similar kind of thing. So, I guess you can't really blame them for copying Star Wars when Star Wars is famously, you know, very much based on a lot of sources itself, and it, and it draws from a lot of inspirations. But still, it is a bit crazy. And again, probably the biggest thing is at the end him flying in uh, <laughs> a surplus fighter from the '80s against top, like, yeah, top of the line. Uh, fifth generation fighters and he wins just because he's that much better because it's not the plane it's the pilot but like <laughs> plane's a big part of it no That's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the I mean, plane should be a factor but you know good on him Um, so I think we're probably good on that one right yeah I think so, so. let's act attack into the other big thing we did this week which is uh, the episode 3 of Kenobi hope you want Kenobi okay. so uh, last week we did the first two episodes I hear but you went around so what did you think of the first two episodes I thought I thought they were good. I mean, they just got right into it. I uh, I like a show that just gets right into it. I mean, like you know, unlike Boba Fett, where it took half a season to see any kind of action, I thought it was just right to the point. And well, I mean, I guess this this show there had to get right to the point a little faster because it's probably only gonna be a one season. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was good. Uh, love you and you and McGregor, or yeah, love him. Uh, real happy with it. Yeah, it's overall. I, yeah, we think it's great. I mean, we probably won't get into it too much. This week, maybe I'll save it till me and Jack's back, so we can get in a real, we can get real ranty about it, and, and maybe a full wrap of the end. But like, people have been, got it. This is just Star Wars, right? Um, as much as I most toxic myself, fan base out there, one hundred percent. As much as I love Star Wars and consider myself a Star Wars fan, God, the they they're they're so brutal, they are man. Awful people they make it unbearable to be around, and they they've been setting their sights on this show, probably worse than Boba Fett, maybe, which is crazy because this this was supposed to be the crowd pleaser, just everyone loved it, right? Because everybody loves Obi Wan, right? Good lord, it just it truly will just go to show you they'll hate on everything, and they're just in the worst ways as well, right? Right. And I actually um, haven't uh I haven't really been seeing a whole lot of the hate because I just watched all three episodes uh yesterday, been mm-hmm. a little busy, so I've kind of been avoiding you know TikTok, Twitter. Uh, Instagram. I've kind of just been avoiding it all to watch them because I don't want to get any spoilers and I didn't want anything like that. So I really haven't seen much of the hate. But well, that's good. That's the way to be. I, mean, I can take a guess on what, what parts they yeah. would be. You you always can, <laughs> can't you? Isn't that crazy? They always. I got a couple. Maybe I'll I'll just read out a couple. So basically, let's not beat around the bush. Uh, the particular things that some fans seem to have particular problems with, in addition to um, Obi Wan being not as great as they want, right? It's kind of the same criticism they have of uh, Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, right? Is that washed for a lot up. of this movie, he's like washed up, or this show, rather, sorry. He's like, yeah, he's he's this outcast, he's a hermit, he's washed up, he's like past his prime, he doesn't want to fight, he isn't running around solving all his problems with a lightsaber because physically and spiritually, he's beaten down, right? And also, that's not his purpose right now. It's not his MO at the moment, right? He's gotta lay low. He doesn't use his lightsaber until it's absolutely essential. And that makes perfect sense for the story and everything. But people were still like, two episodes of Kenobi, he doesn't even turn on his lightsaber. He, he barely uses the force. What is he, a big win? I mean, for the first two episodes, uh, for the whole first episode and majority of the second one, it's still buried out in the sand. He doesn't yeah. even have it. He doesn't even get it. So, God, like, I just don't know what these people expect. It, like, did people really expect this this show to... Yeah, have him just run around the galaxy just cutting up bad guys the whole time. Right, while the entire Emperor and all the Inquisitors and Darth Vader are all looking for him. Like, I was actually kind of worried that it would go almost something like that, right? I've been saying since the beginning, um, I've mentioned a few times on here, like, I was worried that they were going to do too much with this and try to show too much stuff like that. 
Right, and make it too much about like that we're going to be a conservative enough. With yeah, his... exactly. That Obi Wan's going to he's he's leaving the planet right away because my thing was like, why is he leaving Tatooine? They have to have a real good reason for that. And like, if he leaves, is he just going to be yeah getting into fights with Darth Vader every episode and all that? Like, that doesn't feel like what Obi Wan should be doing right now. And to my pleasant surprise, they have very much kept it very conserved. Like you said, they they know what they're doing. Like they they they're treating the character like he should again. Right. And I think I said last week. I think the the explanation for why he had to leave the reason to get him off planet was like perfect which he wasn't even prepared to do at first no exactly he he declined at first he had to get dragged into it and it makes perfect sense and um stars explains a youtube channel i love i always bring him up but he's he's pointed out as like obi-wan in in a lot of ways in that first couple episodes he's clearly like he is afraid right and he's got his whole like i'm not the same man and all that and some of that's probably true but his extreme like insistence that he don't he, he not go do it right there's clearly part of that is is fear in himself, and like he's using his mission with Luke as a as like a, a scapegoat to not exactly go. right to be like I don't want to go because I got it's Luke though it's I gotta watch me. the boy and you know he's clearly reeling from this and and obviously you know it's been a long it's been a while right it's been ten years which is a while to still deal with this stuff but that's just the nature of this show right like that's when they had to set it it's not th- the point being he still has to work through that stuff from episode three right right. And clearly, he needs to go through some growth here so that by the end of this, he can be the, like, more, like, you know, calm, wise and, like... Like he was. Mentor he is in episode four, right? To be the guy who can teach Luke and is ready and is more confident to to get that done. Because the way he's at right now, he's not... He wouldn't be ready for that, right? The Obi-Wan we see in the show isn't ready for that. And again, that's what you need. Like, yeah, it's an arc, right? This is, right. What, this, this this is, is just the shows, beginning. Man. This is the point of stories, like... They said that he should have just come running out the gates, you know. Yeah, lightsaber swinging, looking for Darth Vader. One hundred percent. That just doesn't make sense. Like, and again, I I'm pleasantly surprised that they're keeping it much more contained in that way, and they are teach like telling a story about that. Yeah. Um, well, I, it was nice to see that in the lightsaber duel they were having. Um, I mean, Darth Vader was kind of kind of whooping him. Yeah, exactly. And, and, like, and like visibly, like Darth Vader was just swinging at him like with force and knocking him to the ground while he was blocking his his. His shots, like his lightsaber shots. Yeah, 100%. And uh, you could tell he was just physically weak. And we mentioned this, again, in the lead-up at a couple of times. We were talking about the trailers and stuff. And it was like, people were worried, like, oh, are they going to make one of the Inquisitors beat Obi-Wan in this? That doesn't make sense because Obi-Wan's more powerful. And, like, even Not then at this we point. said, exactly, like, yeah, he's he's past his prime. He's a little older. He hasn't been, like, training or practicing or keeping up with it, right? And, again, he's, like, it's a story. Like, you got to right. remember, like, yes... As far as we know, that lightsaber has been buried in the ground for 10 years. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't even so. held it. Like, there's no reason to believe he's going to be at the top of this game. And beside that, like, if they need him to lose so that they can, you know, hit that story beat so that he can move forward, that's what they're going to do. If, if he just wins everything, if, he, if you literally expected the show to just be him, like, you know, decapitating Inquisitors every episode, like, come on. That's, that's obviously not what it was That's not where the lead up to the next actual movie begins. Exactly. So... But beyond the criticism of Obi-Wan as a character, which I, as, as you can tell, we don't really have a problem with, and I think that's that criticism is a little flimsy. Um, the even worse ones is definitely that they're coming ha- very hard after uh, Reva and uh, Young Leia in particular, which last week we said, I think that Young Leia is excellent in this. I think she really sells it. I think she's got the spirit. I think she's definitely, I don't know. I she's, think... She's, I mean, her acting is good as well. I, I yeah, mean, I, I think, think she's, she, I think she's really selling it. I think she screams Leia to me. Yeah, right? like that's well, it's exactly. funny because even Obi Wan was like, "You remind me of 
yeah, an old friend, exactly. as in I, her mother. Exactly. I think that does great. I I, I would 100% say that. I said to begin with, I you know when we were watching, I said that to Jack like right away. I was like, "This is this is Leia. Like she's got the spunk." Yeah, just like, what's what Leia's like, right? Well, that that one scene, it might have been in the second episode where Bail Organa was like, "That's why you'd make a good senator one day," because she was this like, "I don't want to be a senator." Was right. that? Yeah, it's the first one. Yeah, and he was like, "You'd make a great senator one day because you don't want to be a senator." Just like yeah. you know, she's got that attitude. The one hundred percent, like her mom. And, like, anyone who's saying, like, oh, she's annoying, she's being too, like... She's a kid. Well, yeah, first and she's foremost... She's 10 years old. Above and beyond all of that. Like, at some point, whether you th- you feel that your criticism is justified or not, or whether you're, like, you're, quote-unquote, not being toxic about it, at a certain level, just... Do you even need to mention the kid actor? Like, at a certain point, I get it. Like, oh, I'm not... If, maybe you're not attacking her. Maybe you're not going out of her way to find her social media and yell at her or whatever. But on, a certain, on like some level, especially when you're talking about a franchise that has the history that Star Wars has with the way some of its actors have been treated, is there any reason that you can't just like keep that to yourself to a certain extent? And right. Like, I, I mean, I feel like that's part of her character is, and she's kind of an annoying kid. Yeah, like she's not perfect, right? Like in that second episode, she has a lot of like moments where she's acting more like a kid than she is like a, a composed. Right. Like, like I feel like all these people that are complaining about her being like annoying and stuff, they must know a ten year old kid in real life. That's annoying because for the most part, they're all annoying. And she's much more reasonable than most ten year olds, right? Right, because she's very smart. Because they go back and forth, but do, the complaints are that like she doesn't sound like a kid with some of her dialogue. That she sounds too like smart, basically educated. Yeah. When uh, yeah, uh, we said last week she's but a I prodigy. Mean, like, she's a prodigy, right? She lives she's in a like a high society, you know. Probably great education. 100%. Her parents are senators, or exactly. her father's a senator, I guess. Yeah, is, yeah you're, you're her father was smart. Head. Her mother was smart. Exactly. Right. Her parents were prodigies as well, right? When Anakin was ten, he was racing pods. When Padme was like thirteen, she was the queen of a planet. Right. This idea that because she's ten years old, she's yeah, oh, she can't be that smart. She couldn't Ridiculous. people couldn't even imagine her being so intelligent. Right. Also, it's Star Wars. She's got the Force and everything too. On top of it, right? So, yeah. And again, at some point, I get it. Like if if that. You're allowed to have your opinions, and I understand that's hypocritical coming from us sitting here sharing our opinions <laughs> on the internet. This but, is true. Gosh, keep them yourself, to damn the kids. it. And then the Reva thing as well, right? It's unfortunate. What's everybody's gripe with her? Well, they just, they just generally say she's a bad actor or whatever, and her, oh. her character's bad, right? So the big thing that um, I guess the the complaint that people try to say is that she's like too whiny. It's kind of like what they they would say about Kylo Ren is that she's just like too angry. Like she's like an, they say like she's like emo or whatever. Well, it's like don't be mad at her. Don't be mad at the be mad at the writers. One hundred percent. I right again. She didn't write it. She's just acting. Exactly. I think her acting's fine. I mean, I she's doing. So I think too. she's doing a good job. Um, if that's we how the like the you know the writers obviously tell her how she wants they they tell her how they want her to portray her character. Right. And I I think she's probably hitting it nail right on the head. So. Well, and she's she's a dark side user, right? That's what they're all about. They're all edgy and they're stuff. Ang- you know, they're all angry at life. One hundred percent, exactly. So, well, also because like in the one scene where the fifth brother yeah. was like, or no, was it the Grand Inquisitor was like, you know, we 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 got you from the gutter, you know, blah blah blah. This and that. I mean, she's probably just pissed off at life. Yeah, one hundred percent. She's probably and, just and angry. We said last week, and I was saying to you before we started here, we think that she was one of the children in in the beginning, right, there from Order sixty six, and like she's got plenty of reason to. Which be is why she seems like she doesn't like Darth very Vader because she knows, right? She doesn't really like. She, she hates Obi Wan probably because she knows and like blames him on some level, right? For Anakin's turning. To skip ahead a little. We see here in this episode, right? She's she sees that uh 
symbol on the wall, and that makes her very angry because she clearly was a Jedi, and she's got whatever bad memories about her, right? Right. We don't know the full extent of it yet, but that seems to be the general... That's most people's theory is that she's, she is the child One of those kids. See. Yeah. But, God, whether you think that or not, again, it obviously does not excuse that people have literally just been going full-blown racist at her on social media. Which is not okay. <laughs> It's just, it's I don't just know. beyond the pale, man. Like again, so it's a TV show. Like, come on now, oh, good lord. And the the maybe even I won't say it's worse than doing that, but just salt in the wound of people doing that. Right? Was this week? Was was that last week when it was happening? Right? And it was really blown up. You had like Ewan McGregor. He's posting on social media. He posts a video of himself saying like, "This is ridiculous. Like, stop it." Right? You, I don't consider it, anyone who would do anything close to that. I don't consider it to be a Star Wars fan. Right? Um, Lucasfilm officially put on their social media as well a thing about like the racism, and so many people's first reaction in the community would be like, "Man, I, well, I'm not racist. Why would you even mention that? Why? Why has it got to be about race, right?" So many people's first reaction was to go, um, "You know, hey, why do you got to make it sound like anyone who has criticism of your show is racist, right? That's like whack. You, you don't. What you're gonna call me racist just because I don't like your show? Listen, this video has 12 million views on Twitter. Yeah." It's, it's on Twitter and Instagram. Well, so, the official Star Wars tw- Twitter tweeted as well. Huh? Yeah. So I guess I didn't see this because I've been boycotting Twitter for the past two weeks. <laughs> but so like that to me is almost as, again, not as bad, but you, you know what I'm saying? That's despicable in its own way to just be like, well, I didn't specifically do racism, so I don't even know why you got to mention it. Because the point is, people obviously, are it's obviously a problem. Doing, yeah, if, 100%. if Lucasfilm's t- uh, social medias were addressing this publicly, obviously, it's some sort she of issue. She, the actress uh, Moses Ingram was posting some of the the DMs she was getting on Instagram, and she like literally just people sending her slurs in her DMs. Like, really, what's her name? It, Moses Ingram. It's just beyond the pale, man. Like, and again, to be like, oh, well, I didn't do it, so I don't even know why you're gonna mention it. You know. Oh, so so what is it, Disney? Now everyone who watch who doesn't like your movies racist. It's like, dude, it's it's. Damn, she went to Yale. Yes, yeah, that's she pretty, did. That's she's pretty. That's classically pretty cool. trained. Again, this is the thing of like everyone who's like, oh, she's a bad actor. She doesn't act, bro. She's she went to Yale. She went to Yale. She was a Yale drama graduate of two thousand nineteen. That's right. She's like a classically trained actor. So wow. I, I just it's 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 horrible. Yeah, it's just the only word for it. I hate it. I, I, yeah, it, I think I rue every time I open Twitter, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I yeah. didn't even know about this up until this point, And, uh, this is kind of a shocker, honestly. And, like, here's the thing anyone who's, again, with the whole, like, well, my complaints are genuine. I have nothing to do with, with, uh, the racism. So I don't even know why you're going to mention it. It's like, dude, at some level, again, maybe the, the, like, there's something bigger at play here is some stuff that's more important than just you getting out your quote unquote genuine criticism, right? At some level, Again, I understand it's a girl because that's what we're doing here, but who cares, man? You, for you to be like, well, you need to hear my opinions because it's a, it's a free country, so I don't care if she's getting racist comments as long as I get to tell her that I don't like her acting. Like, bro, come on. Like, who gives a shit, ultimately? Uh, like, I just... And these people are with, with so like such an incredible lack of self-awareness, being like, oh, well, I don't... Again, I, you know, it's not that I'm racist, I just don't like her. And it's like... Could you think maybe for a second, like, just a little critically, internally, of, like, maybe why, time and time and time again, it seems, when it comes to Star Wars, people are, seem to be hypercritical of the characters who are, um, you know, more often than not, like, women, or women of color, or characters of color in general, All right? and people, I can save a couple, um, so Rahul Kohli, who is on Twitter, he's, like, a he's like active in Star Wars, 
Twitter. He mm-hmm. said, some folk can't help but question the inclusion of POC in mainstream media. There's always this underlying cynicism that it's to score woke points, and therefore they are undeserving of the role. In order to silence their own bias, these actors have to knock it out of the park. And that's that's kind of what's at play here. I'm not going to say this from 100% of the people, but like, yeah. This idea that like, well, if she's there, it must be woke. And that's that is definitely an attitude you still see repeated. Yeah. Um, this guy said, uh, what a stunning coincidence that every single legitimate criticism these chodes have and every piece of Star Wars media <laughs> over the past several years just happened to be entirely directed at women and characters of color. Crazy. And again, like, that's how it feels sometimes. Damn, that, that really wrong. is. But like, when you're like, no, no, I'm not racist. It's just legitimate criticism. It's just their acting just Ray sucks. Ray is an objectively bad character. Her objecting is, is object- Her acting is objectively bad. My favorite part of the prequels is is Kylo Ren. He's cool. Okay, but Finn, Finn also bad actor. Finn, ooh, Ray, ooh, Rose, what? ooh. Oh, that's, that's who I was trying to think of. I couldn't think of her name, Rose. Well, yeah, Rose is one of the worst examples lately as well. But again, I think Moses Ingram is is uh, very unfortunately like she's on that track because people are just going at her for no reason. And like the thing about to me is like in the first three episodes, well. The first two episodes in particular. I haven't seen much since the third episode. A lot of this was the first two last week. She's barely in them. Like, I mean, not barely, but... I mean, she's, she's got, like, you know, probably sub five minutes of screen like ten, time. Ten minutes of screen time across those two episodes. It's, it's it's insane. Yeah. It's just... It's, again, it's just ridiculous and very upsetting, honestly. It's that, just like, crazy that these people exist. cannot understand her character and what it is. Right. I, yeah. She's not... Like, what do you expect? You expect her to just be all... You know, subdued and like sunshine and fucking butterflies. Like, no, she's an inquisitor. She's a again. There's know, definitely dark side like, user. You know what I mean? Like, a, man, there's there's got to be some underlying like really some misogyny and stuff at play 100%. there. Where you can have a character like Darth Vader who is just a menace, right? And that's because he's badass and cool. Right? Literally snap some kid's neck yeah, just exactly. sitting there in the third episode. He's just insane, just doing whatever he wants with reckless abandon. Because who's going to stop him? Right. But then you have, yeah, you have Reva who is like slightly edgy and like, yeah, she's angry at the world because- The same way, just less powerful <laughs> and less important. Right. Because everyone she knew died and she's angry and has that in her. But when she does it, it's because she's edgy and emo and like you can't take her seriously. Like, what do you mean? That's what the Darksiders do. They're all edgy and- and emo and just angry at the and world. their feels and just like... 100%. Yeah. That's all Darth Vader does is just smash everyone and, and choke everyone to death who he doesn't right. like, who pisses them off in the, in the slightest, right? Anyone just who... Slaying incon- stormtroopers. 100%. Any Imperial officer who inconveniences him even a little gets their neck snapped instantly. Yep. But when she, she's she's too mad, apparently. It's just... It's it's crazy. But when her and the, the fifth brother are getting their little temper tantrums, right. everyone's like, oh, her character sucks, she's, she's right, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. The, Inquis- the Grand Inquisitor, like they're all in the same. They're all in the same fields of just being angry and all and all pissy with each other. And she's the only one who gets called out. And like again, at some level, maybe just internally, just a minute, look at yourself and think, like, man, why am I holding this character to a different standard than the other ones? What's what's different here, maybe for me? Right. So getting all that out of the way. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> it went a on a little longer than that than I intended. But actual episode three here. Um, I think it's got a. I think it's got a lot to love. There's a lot oh, yeah. of details in here that I was not expecting that like just really flesh it out. So we continue the trend of um, hopping from planet to planet each episode. So the new planet in this one is, like I said last week, with all these, it's like all new Star Wars projects, right? When they're introducing uh, new new planets and characters and stuff, it's just it's just stuff I gotta remember. That's right. Shut in my memory box for the for all the trivia. Um, they do mention Jabim, which I noticed from the comics way back in the day in the the, epi- the uh, Star Wars Republic comics. So oh. that was cool. But that's just a, a mention. 
that that's where like the path goes. But the planet is uh, Mapuzo. Hmm. So it's it's a planet a- that. During like the time of the Republic was a farming planet, Obi Wan says, right? Mm-hmm. But during the time of the Empire, has now been uh, basically just taken over from mining. They're just like strip mining the whole planet for resources. And yeah, because so, in the episode the when they were walking on the road, he's like, "Oh yeah, this all used to be just fields of farmers, and now it's all just imperial mining." Oh, actually, even before that though, even before they land, right? The opening scene of the episode is he's meditating on the ship they're on, and he's trying to reach Qui Gon again. Yep. Right? So following up on that thread. Which is cool, and he's having all the flashbacks, and we get a we get the dialogue right from uh, episode three and two and stuff, which is good stuff. Oh, even back to episode one, right? Qui Gon asking him to train, train like, the boy, to train Anakin, exactly, great stuff. And he's trying to reach Qui Gon, and he still doesn't. But he's like, I can, you know, now that I know Anakin's alive, I can kind of sense him. He's coming, and it's intercut right with the sequence of them putting Darth Vader back together. Oh, such a cool scene, very cool. And then um, I really liked Leia asks him about the Force, right? Right. And which is cool because I mean we obviously know that within like the new canon the the current canon and everything right eventually Leia gets Jedi training of herself you know even in the original trilogy she's got that spark in her right she's got the right. sensitivity and um, what what a uh, what Star Wars content was that scene in where her and Luke were dueling in the forest or whatever uh, what was that in the Rise of Skywalker okay I couldn't just remember a, it's just like a brief little flashback it's a real yeah. quick scene but so um, he has she asks him what the Force is like and he says that it's like you know when it's dark and you're afraid and then you turn on the light and you feel safe and that's what embracing the force is like and i think that's right. just like a very simple really cool explanation for the force i love every time we learn just little tidbits like that right yeah this you know the original trilogy's got a ton of them the prequels as well just like stuff like that you know like the explanation he gives to luke say in episode four right is a little more like in-depth complicated right you know it's it's the energy field created by all living things. It binds the us science, all together. The science yeah. definition. It penetrates us. It it passes through us and all. Like when he tells him that it you know it controls your destiny, but it also will listen to you, you know it will like respond to your actions and all that. But in this one, it's just a very simple like yeah, it's like the light. It's it's well, it, the I light mean, in, in this circumstance, she is a kid. Exactly. It so makes she wouldn't understand sense. any of that. Well, maybe she wish she's very smart, but right. And you know, you get that coming through, right? Obi Wan was a teacher. He taught. That's right. He did. He taught a, you know, a, he trained a Jedi Knight himself. He, in a way, he trained like one and a half, right? He was a big part of teaching Ahsoka. That is very true. So, though. yeah, it makes sense that that would come through, right? Even though he's down on his luck right now, he's still got that in him, right? He's a teacher. Still so, smart. Um, I mean, yeah, it's great. I, again, very simple, but like a very meaningful to me. I was like, that's, that's nice. So, and they're on the planet and uh, they're following the lead that Kumail Nanjiani gives them last episode. But then they, they arrive where they're supposed to wait and Obi-Wan gets very impatient <laughs> and immediately wants to leave. <laughs> And so they get with the the space trucker there, who's a big fan of the Empire. Oh and god! We get another good moment where um, they call him out because he gives them a fake name for Leia, but then he accidentally calls her by a real name. And so that whole story that she's his daughter, and they talk about who her mother has died and all that. And he actually like you know as part of the the sort of lie, but for real he like reminisces about her mother, right? Who obviously we we know to be Padme, right? That he remembers her, and she's very much like her mother and all that. Yes, in many ways. And then, you know, after the Stormtroopers leave, like, obviously they have a genuine heart-to-tart where, you know, that was true. and like he But does... she didn't know that. Right. And Leia, this whole time, can pick up that, like, he's been hiding something from her. Um, and that she's like, at first she's like, are you my real father? And he's not, <laughs> I see. But she can pick up that he he's hiding something, and he clearly actually knew her real mother because she's mentioned it a couple times now. Which, presumably, to me, would identify that he knew her father as well 
Right. She probably is catching on. And I don't know how much deeper they can get with that with that kind of thread this up in this series, right? I don't think there can necessarily be a scene where like he tells her Obi-Wan sits down and explains that all to Leia because she, you know, again, for the whole purpose well, of like, like obviously the in, in in the future, she doesn't know who her father is right. as well. She doesn't know that Darth She doesn't realize Vader Darth Vader is her father when, you know, the Death Star plan scene on the one of those Tantive V4s or whatever. Yeah. And that so, scene she doesn't know who he is, so and he doesn't know who she is. Right. There's only she's so just much a senator to him. So there's only so much explanation that he can give her about who her parents were and all that without kind of giving a giving it away. But it's still interesting, just even from his perspective. Like, yeah, he sees what her to do and, and what not, like to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll mention it again from that book I love so much from a certain point of view. Right. In um the second one, actually, in The Empire Strikes Back, in Obi Wan's chapter, in that he talks about how similar he finds Anakin and Luke, and it's a similar thing, right? So Leia has, and you know, obviously that's kind of retroactively done, right? Because they did the prequels after the originals, and so they kind of made it in a way that they lead into each other, right? Right. But yeah, we, you know, that's definitely support us. That Luke is, in a lot of ways, like his father, and Leia is very much like her mother. And he, you know, Obi Wan is because of this series now, he's able to see both of them, right? Because prior to this, he didn't really have any interactions with Leia, obviously. Right. It's just, it's and really that we didn't know he had this interaction with yeah, Leia exactly. as well. Exactly. So. One other quick side thing. When uh, when they're walking before they meet... Oh, God, what's his name? I forgot again. Griff or whatever? I don't know. The, no, the, the, the trucker guy? Yeah. When yeah before know. they meet him, when they're just walking along the road, and he's explaining like the planet and where they are, and used to be a farm, and now it's a, a mine... He sees... It's not like it's not a flashback. It's like, not, not a vision, but he, oh, just, yeah. he just pictures Anakin on the side in a field, and he kind of like scurries them along, like, like move faster, Leia. Like, you the know. only name is Freck. Freck, that's what it is. Yeah, he... um. He kind of has like a hallucination. Or yeah, almost. yeah. And it's Hayden Christensen, obviously. So that's yep. clearly something he did is they just had him stand out in the field. He in was the just road. standing there and so, staring at him. Yeah, that's Hayden Christensen. So that, that was cool. But yeah, he's, you know, again, he's still, that's very much where he's at is like knowing, learning that Anakin lived. He's, he's definitely is feeling some guilt about it all. About oh, the yeah. Whole, the way everything shook out. So. Yep. Um, but then they get to the, uh, the checkpoint basically. And uh, they just, all we want us to go out guns blazing. Which I think that was a cool scene. It's a cool action scene. Because the probe droid identified him as Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Again, he doesn't take out his lightsaber at that point. He's just Still using just his, blaster. his blaster. He's doing good, though. Oh, yeah. He's, he's John Wixom, kind of. He's like real good with Compared it. Compared to the scene in the second episode where they're on the rooftop and he's mm-hmm. just missing a guy just standing up completely, like terrible shooting. Yeah, you're right. He's definitely uh, much better, much more proficient. I guess he was pretty. He was pretty. Flustered that's in that scene yeah. because she was running, Leia was running away and was about to jump off the roof. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it looks it, it it was done well. It was choreographed cool. It looked cool. Yeah, he's using like a mix of he's you know it's like gung fu right? It's like gung fu but with you know Jedi right with the force with so yeah old man you know, strength so, which is cool. Again, obviously everyone's making the joke like you know the whole time he's in episode three his whole thing is that blasters are uncivilized right? Right, it's so uncivilized. <laughs> yep. Because you know the 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 lightsaber is an elegant weapon from a more civilized age. So, but it's cool. He's you know he, clearly he knows what he's doing with it, right? That's also true. That's the thing that is shown off is that most Jedi are pretty good sh- shots, just because they just in general. Have, yeah, they just have the reflex and everything for it. And then we get introduced to oh gosh, I gotta get here going. Um, they're they kind of seem to get away with it, but then there's a bunch more out of nowhere, right? A bunch of like three more, right? Three yep. or four. So they arrive on like a transport and it's looking rough. On the other side of the barricade. Right. Then the new character shows up who is, who's Indira Varma is playing Tala. 
who is an Imperial officer, right? And we see in the trailers and stuff and we knew that she was coming and we we're like, okay, that's cool, right? Uh, we speculated about her before this started. Um, but then immediately she reveals herself as like a double agent, right? right? She's there um, to help. And she shoots the four stormtroopers in the back. Yeah. And so we get introduced to this new concept, which is, it's called the path, she says, right? They call it the path sometimes, which is a sort of like underground railroad for Jedi. surviving Jedi, which I think is a really interesting concept. Yeah, that, I think it's very cool. Sure. It makes sense in a universe like this, right? That the Jedi are so desperately hunted that there would... I love the idea that there's still good people out there who... Who are trying to help. Yeah. And we're in a a point in the timeline, right, where open rebellion is not feasible yet. Right. Right? We're not at Rogue One times. We're not even at Star Wars Rebels times where they're, like, building a genuine movement. It's still early days, right? We're still finding our footing. There's definitely people who are trying, like Bail Organa and Ahsoka, right, are working together. And again, some of the rebel cells are out there. But... It's again, it's still too early for there to be like open rebellion. But what you can do is stuff like this, right? This sort of like passive resistance. Just which, to keep some Jedi alive. Which is really cool. And they also talk about like they're at the point now where it's been ten years where now it's not just Jedi, like surviving Jedi from Order Sixty Six. It's, it's like, new force sensitive children who right. are young and they're popping up and they are also in danger. And that's just really cool. And in that in that uh safe house, right? Um, we get the nod to Quinlan, which blew me away. I was not expecting that, right? We actually Again, me and Jack talked about this in the lead up to this, that um, Quinlan Voss is one of the surviving Jedi that we know made it past Door 66, but we don't know where exactly he ended up. But right. we have seemingly we have confirmation he's from alive. this that he's still alive 10 years after, which is great. And that he's participating in this, uh, uh, yeah, this movement. This path. path. Yeah. Which, yeah, I loved. I think that's great. I, I thought that was a fantastic little detail they added. Yeah, it's... Obviously, you know me, big lore junkie. I just love getting the the references and the name drops. But more than that, I think storyline wise, it makes a lot of sense and is is really cool in its own way. We said last week that like one of the real dark parts about this period in the timeline is not just that like a lot of the Jedi are killed or captured or whatever has happened, right? Made into Inquisitors, but that any surviving Jedi who did make it out, right, they are forced to like suppress that part of themselves, right? And they go underground and they they hide it. They're, they don't they're feel to help people. Yeah, exactly. And they just we see can't. it with Obi Wan. We see it with Kanan in in like the novels and stuff. We see it with Cal and Jedi yep. Fallen Order. It happens time and time again that the the few Jedi who do survive and make it out and and are free, yeah, they totally suppress everything about them that makes them a Jedi, right? And in that way, the Empire has won, anyways. Right. They Even either, if they can't find them, they still won because they're still. I mean, you see Obi Wan. He just casually yeah. checks in on Luke and he's just a butcher. 100%. Exactly. And like he's faced with an opportunity in that first episode to help another Jedi maybe and he just does nothing and his inaction maybe gets that guy killed. Yep. And like that's grim. I mean that's that's pretty fucking dark for Obi-Wan Kenobi to do. Like and and it's kind of called back to in this one because Talos says like oh I can't imagine Obi-Wan Kenobi doing anything wrong. It's like yeah, mm. I don't know, he's not the guy. Uh, he last was. episode he got somebody killed. So. Yeah, basically. So that idea that Quinlan Voss is still alive and he is still fighting the good fight, I just really liked. Yeah. I that, I thought that was really special. That yeah. He's still out there and he's he's writing, he's graffitiing the walls and stuff <laughs> and he's just, he's out there and he's keeping on. And again, he's not facing on the the Empire himself, right? He's not fighting a bunch of stormtroopers. Not building an army yet. Exactly. He's not cutting down a bunch of Inquisitors with his lightsaber, but he's helping people still. And that's that's what it's about. I, I just love that. So. That's a nice like lead up towards Rebels because that's what Rebels yeah, is. Yeah, one hundred percent. So basically, then we got the scene with um, Ned B. Right. So we knew he was around. We've we've known about Ned B. for a while as a character, but we get his introduction, and he's just turns out he doesn't speak at all. Uh, Jack speculated. Well, other people did, but Jack was also on the train of uh, that 
Kumail Nanjiani was going to be the voice of Ned B before we saw him in a in a trailer in person. Um, but it turns out he has no voice at all. <laughs> I yeah, he's just silent. And I didn't know anything about that, and I uh, I mean I really liked the character because he was he was ready, man. He was ready to smash that little. That hammer, he had man. that big ass hammer. He was ready. He wanted all the smoke. He was ready to take on those and two he was storm down troopers. For the cause, my guy. He like, was ready. And I really like that scene. You know, he doesn't speak, and so clearly everyone takes him for granted, right? And that's it. That's that a he's cool just character. a dumb yeah. programmed robot to do one st- task. The one stormtrooper's like, oh, he's a loader. They don't. He doesn't even understand, right? And while it's true, because like Talos says, right? Um, they don't. They don't program them with communication, right? He can't speak, but that doesn't mean he doesn't understand. He can't interpret what's going on. Yeah. Um. And like she says, actions speak louder than words, and he was he was ready to. He was ready. Him. So shout out to Ned B, real trooper for the cause. Real That's hero. right. Um. And then the the bad guys show up. They get there. They track him to that planet because of somebody sees a Jedi going into droid. town. Yeah, the probe droid. Ah, it. yeah, yeah. And then um, Darth Vader's just there, man. He just shows up. I guess we should have mentioned up top. But we obviously hear Darth Vader for the first time at the beginning. And I guess I wasn't expecting it. I mean, we kind of talked about this as well in the lead up of like, how much is Vader going to be in this? But, you know, this is the third episode and he plays a big role in this one. It seems from here on he's probably going to be in, uh, you know, a sizable portion of the, yeah. the rest of the, the episodes here. But um, after we see him assembled, we see him like fully get the whole suit on, right? Because mm-hmm. he's basically stripped all the way down to be in the back to tank, right? Yep. Which, you know, in, in a lot of in like legends and stuff it was kind of explained that he spends almost like most of his time in that back to tank just to not die <laughs> and like obviously that you know it's been expanded upon since like the shadows of the empire day but i think there's still probably some truth to that or like he's got to spend a lot of time in there so he doesn't die yeah <laughs> because he can't hardly be exposed to the outside air and everything and there's that whole thing about how his suit isn't actually designed to be like comfortable for him and, and all that so but we see him get it all on and like maybe that's why he's always so angry. Well, yeah, it's part of it. No, that's literally <laughs> the idea. That's like what Sidious wanted. So we see that that control box that's on him, like literally gets like plugged inserted into, his, into him. Yeah, yeah like those are like you know crazy. a couple like three inch long rods that just get put into his yeah. stomach. And um, he's at his castle, which is great. I love seeing that. I love, oh, seeing love that castle. castle. It's very cool. Love that Lego set. It's a great Lego set. It's a it's an incredible Lego set. Yeah. But yeah, he's at the castle. I love the castle. All about it. So yeah, that's good. Um, James Earl Jones did not return in person to do this. They did the same technology they did on Luke in uh, The Mandalorian in the Book of Boba Fett, basically, which is like a kind of AI-generated version of his voice, if that makes oh. any sense. But, well, I mean, like, realistically, that's not... I mean, that wouldn't be super hard because he sounds like a robot, so... Well, and they have a lot to work off for him. That's clearly. also very true. So, I think it sounds fine. I mean, people... I people, mean, I, I've seen people... I didn't know that, that, and I didn't notice a problem with it. It's, he sounds like Darth Vader, I would say. Yeah. It's all those people that knew that going into it, and they're like, oh, this doesn't sound as good. But it's I would like, say so. In, they in they knew cases, what was yeah. coming, so they don't they don't count. But he's, he's just full on, huh? He's just full on. He's like it, it, people have said, like this is maybe the most brutal Vader we've ever seen in live action. Besides be. uh, that scene in Episode uh, Four, right on the Tantive Four, he doesn't do much. You talk about in uh, I mean, Rogue he, One on the Tantive Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, presumably, I mean, he he killed all of those uh, Re- uh not not rebels, like the, the rebels. Resi- yeah, the, the fleet troopers. Yeah, they, that's in that's in Rogue One. I mean, the uh, hallway scene. You yeah, mean? presumably he just killed all. He just slaughtered them all. Oh, he did. He totally. Did. I mean, you can but see this, him this kill is, most of them. This is definitely one of the most graphic. Uh, I mean, I guess the difference, right, is that that's pr- that's definitely the most sort of brutal thing we've seen up to this point for sure. Right, hundred percent action. Yes, but in Rogue One, those are soldiers at least, right? He's fighting rebels who are shooting back at him. That's a good point. This time he just walks into a town and executes some civilians. He just he just kind of snaps his fingers and he just yeah. uh, snaps some like middle-aged kid's neck. Yeah, it looked to be like a teenager. He was just sitting there and he just 
snapped his fingers, his it's neck was crazy, right? And like, he just yeah. And I I was saying to you like I think the idea there is probably that he was trying to draw Obi Wan out because he knew I was not there. Right. Like, I don't think he I don't think he truly was doing it for no reason. Right. Like he was just force choking somebody, dragging them on the ground. Yeah. I don't think Darth he Vader was, cares. I didn't even think about that when I first watched it. That what you said about trying to lure Obi Wan out. Which I mean, like he he did. I mean, it, it yeah. worked in some way, not to his what mm-hmm. he wanted, but it did work because in the end, he did get him to come out. And they, I mean, maybe I'm looking too much into that, but that's that was just my thought. Is like, I mean, I get that he's Darth Vader and he doesn't really care, but even I don't think he would just be literally just, slaughtering people for no reason. Yeah, I mean, he what killed like three, four people in that scene. Just that yeah, sitting there. I think he was. I think he was trying to get Obi Wan to do something, and then it does. They confront each other, right? And Obi Wan gets a, gets you know good look at him for the first time of like man look at what have you become and all look that how, look how tall you are <laughs> man, with your robot you got, legs man, you got that you got that South Park leg lengthening surgery eh that's great <laughs> that's great Anakin but so he's taller and he's big and he's but he's obviously like a robot right yep he's uh like Obi Wan says in Episode Four he's more machine than man he's twisted and evil that he is or I guess that's says what six. have you become and uh that that's good man and he's like you know you made me this way. I am. I've become what you made me, or whatever. So, yep. or I am what you made me, and like, so clearly, Anakin's still harboring some, uh, some resentment for. He what does happened. have some, some. He's in his feels. Which, he's angry. Understandable, I'd say. Oh, of course. <laughs> you cut all his limbs off and let him there to burn. Let, let him to die. You can kind of see where he's coming. I home. would be angry too, even though he's the bad guy. Obviously, you can kind of. He was in the wrong, but I mean, 100%. I mean, Obi Wan did do him pretty dirty. But um, like you alluded to earlier, they they have a bit of a fight, right? They both get the lightsabers out, and they're they're get back and forth. But Obi Wan's entirely on the back foot, right? He's, Darth Vader is just overpowering him. He's barely not even so much alive. skill, just physically overpowering him, like pushing Obi Wan to the ground with his lightsaber blows. Yeah, exactly. It, and it, uh, I think that's very good, like writing to the fact that it's like to show Obi how Obi Wan is actually just weak, and well, Darth Vader is just powerful. Well, again, like I said as well, I think. Part of it is that he's weak in spirit, right? I think that he is could true as well. Put up a better fight if he wanted to, but but he's pretty down in the dumps. And is I don't think his heart's in it, right? That's also true. Like you know, obviously we saw in the second episode he didn't realize until just now that Anakin was even still alive. Like right. he's got a whole. He always just thought Darth Vader was somebody else. Well, I don't think he knew. You don't right? think he knew about Darth Vader? I don't think he ever heard about Darth Vader after that because he know he we I said this last week. Obi Wan should know that Anakin is Darth Vader because he learns that in Episode Three, right? Right. He knows that Darth Sidious named him Darth Vader. So. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The so, scene they see on the little hollow thing exactly. when they're in the. Yeah. That exactly. is a good point. So unless he learned, but then. But no, because in this in the second episode, right, basically when Reva says Darth Vader and then he's like, oh, shit, like in that moment, it dawns upon him. So I just think living on Tatooine, he just wasn't plugged in. Darth Vader's not a very public figure in the Empire. Right. Anyway. He's a. He's like a dark enforcer, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, he delegates. In the military, they might know about him, but the general public wouldn't. And again, he's living on Tatooine. It's quite the backwater. So yeah. I just don't think he ever heard about him. He lives in a him. cave. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, he's just not, He he's dealing with a whole flood of emotions there, right? He's clearly dealing with like, he feels guilt for failing him. He feels good for failing Qui-Gon. He feels like yep. there's Letting clearly the some Jedi order down. <laughs> well, right. The whole Jedi order, essentially, like, you know. If you're not being very charitable, you can kind of lay that all at Obi-Wan's feet for failing Anakin the way he did. Right. right? And, um, you know, clearly some part of him wants to believe still probably at this point that he can redeem Anakin, that he can be that brought there's back. there's still some good in him? So Like it's Padme said? 100%. So it's very understandable that he wouldn't want to fight him, basically, right? 
And that's kind of yeah. what we see. Like he barely stays, keeps himself alive, and even then, he he barely has enough like, or like fight in him to survive. Before they really start getting into it, where the, he has his lightsaber out because he hears him talking, and then he just puts it away and starts running away. Like yeah, he did, he did he not want that fight. Yeah. He really didn't. Again, because like <laughs> he probably knew on some level that he wasn't as powerful, that he wouldn't be able to beat him as well as he did all those years ago, right? And then yeah, part of it is that he doesn't want to. And yeah. uh, again, he barely, he does not even barely he. Ultimately, by the end there, right, he's not even lifting a, a finger to, like, save himself, right? Right. So Darth Vader elaborately spills out this whole uh, container, a, a container of something. Container of I don't some know, flammable rock. To, like, coal, yeah. And just something. lights it with his lightsaber. And he's like, Obi-Wan, I'm going to burn you alive on this thing like you did to me. But this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of it's your just, pain. Man, that's pretty dark, man. Like, I was like, holy shit. And then yeah. he, he drags him on there for he a just, minute. He just drags him through the fire and, like... I mean, there was a solid 30 seconds of him just burning in, like, these coals or yeah. whatever. And the damage really did not equate to what... I kind of felt the same way. I mean, he had some, like, burns on his shoulder. Like, none of his clothes okay were on fire. Like, he, he was laying, like, on his side in these coals. And I feel like there should have been way more damage. Like, his Obviously, face yeah. his face should have been completely messed up, too. And it just... I mean, he it barely burned through his clothes. Obviously, you can't... Yeah, you can't maim Obi Wan right. at this point in the timeline, but you can't yeah. ruin half of his face. It's, I mean, but maybe they should have just yeah. figured a better way out to do that. It's very grim. Like, gosh, I mean, I yeah. If there was any doubt about like who Darth Vader is at this point, then like this should cast it away, right? Like he he does not consider himself Anakin Skywalker. He doesn't. He separates himself from that part of his life. And this man who was like once his friend, his his brother, his father figure, all of it wrapped into one, right? He's like, nah, I'm gonna burn you alive. Like, yep, I hate you. It's that's pretty grim, man. It's yeah, some dark stuff. That's... I would definitely say, um, and and people have definitely been parroting this and saying this all over, but this is the darkest episode I would think of any Star Wars TV that we've gotten yet, right? It Live is live action stuff. It is up there, probably taken on its own. It's like, I mean, obviously, it's literally <laughs> physically dark at the end, but like, yeah, just the. I don't know. There's no the uh, vibes that are, are just yeah. The vibes are, are way is, off in this one. Yeah, they're way. <laughs> And like they get him at the end, so then Tala and uh and uh Ned B come to come to his rescue AC, right? They do. They like set it even more ablaze. They so. shoot the stormtrooper that's going to get him, and then Darth Vader put well he before the stormtrooper goes to get him, Darth Vader puts the fire out with the force, whatever's going on. Yeah. And they she shoots that stormtrooper and then uh shoots like a gas tank next to it and starts the fire going again. Yeah. And you think Darth Vader could just put it out again like he just did he ten seconds ago. So, but <laughs> But then he just stands there as they run away with carrying Obi Wan. And they and, get away, uh, and then so they get away. They'll 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 probably rescue him away. It's to to wherever their next destination is. Except we learn that so when when uh, Breva gets seems to get some vibes off of the the safe house, and she gets in there and she's reading the walls and stuff. And again, that's we get that moment of her like seeing the Jedi symbol and getting very angry. Which again, I don't know. That's just a very Sith thing to do. Kylo Ren does it. Obi- yep. uh, Darth Vader does it. They throw. They tantrums just hate sometimes. Jedi. They don't even know him on it. Like personally, they just hate him. Just <laughs> they hate throw tantrums sometimes, man. Like I don't know what you expect, but so she does that, and then she kind of gets. She sees the tunnel, and um, she finds the tunnel because she like smacks a bunch of stuff, yeah. and it reveals like a red button. Exactly. And, so the, uh, she hits it, and the tunnel opens up. Or the so path. The stinger at the end of this one is that she she makes her way to the end of the tunnel before Leia can finish running there, and uh. She kills the pilot that yeah. she, Leia was supposed to meet. And she meets her. So, and, uh, and then Leia was like, are you the woman I'm supposed to meet? And she was like, no, but you're going to come with me. <laughs> and I was saying and there's to you, just a dead guy laying on the ground. Yeah, I was saying to you, I think, I think what that is is I don't, I mean, you know, obviously just speculation, but I don't think Reva is going to like use her as uh, 
like I don't think she's gonna take her to Darth Vader necessarily. I think maybe she's gonna have her own plans of how to how to use her basically. How to try to get Obi Wan. Yeah, exactly. So, and again, that would kind of support like you know the lore and like if you did that, you would preserve some of that stuff, right? So that the first time Obi Wan or uh, Leia and Darth Vader meet is on the in Rogue One. Or, well, really, in Episode Four. Well, that came first, like in real time, but yeah, it happened. Well, they don't one. see each other in in Rogue One ever. That's true. So, but yeah, I think that makes sense to preserve it. So I don't think that like Darth Vader should be seen. Or I also think like I don't know. You can make the argument that the more frequently Darth Vader comes in contact her, the the weirder it is that he never picks up on like her, her force or anything. Her force, yeah. So I think it, I do think that for the sake of like the whole continuity. It would make more sense to keep their connect their like contact to a minimum. Yep. Um. But I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah. I we'll I, see. I think that they're or maybe Darth Vader just won't even get the chance because they'll, yeah. they'll just get her back so fast, which could also oh, be, could a be possibility. Too. Yeah, very very true. But I do think that there's like something to be argued that the reason that we've seen Rava be so, kind of like a, a wild card and like do her own thing, and she's she's ambitious and she's striking out, she's trying to do shit her own way, is so that it would be believable when she when she pulls a move like this and right. it's like I'm gonna. Again, I'm gonna try Which my own. Plan she has again. shown before when the Grand Inquisitor told her to stand down on the other planet, right? And well, she goes and tells every bounty hunter to go find Obi Wan because Leia was her plan all along, right? The, right, that was her plan. So it makes sense again that she would get Leia herself again and try to use it to on her own to draw Obi Wan. Right, so that's where we're at. So let's see. episode three. We'll get that stick. Yeah. I, I think maybe what you said is right, and that she won't she won't be with Reva for very long. But I mean, it could be it could go either way. Want we'll to wait and see? Yep, we still got um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. has to show up at some point in the show, and like again, we seem to be getting one side character an episode. Although I think maybe it feels like Tala will stick around. I yeah, would say, it seems because well, I mean, presumably two. for the next episode, she's going to be with Obi Wan. Yeah, at least an episode or two, and Ned B as well. We saw a lot of him in the in the promotional stuff, so I think he's going to stick around for a while. Do we know how many episodes the season is going to be? It's six. So six. We're, we're right at the halfway point here. So I'm going to call it through probably the end. I want to. I think it's towards probably through the end. Of- yeah, I, think, I kind of think so too. I think she could stick around. Um, but also, people just point out, I think, just fun to mention. Um, she obviously is. Uh, she's in what's it called Game of Thrones. Mm. She's a like she's an Adorn alum from that, right? Uh, which is just fun because the Mandalorian, right? Pedro Pascal is also from Dorn. Well, they're they're like uh, a couple in Game of Thrones. Oh, I didn't know. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. So it's just one day. <laughs> So it's just fun seeing uh seeing that those connections always yeah good. just inner inner nerd culture stuff just good actors. So the last thing I wanted to act attack into here for to t- just talk about real quick was the second half of celebration stuff. Um, so last week when uh when we left it off, we we knew about the first two days of celebration, uh, not the second two because we uh of the day we recorded. So the second or rather the third and fourth days of celebration uh twenty twenty two we got here. So. The biggest reveals were definitely the Bad Batch Season 2 yep. uh, official announcement and trailer and release date. We know that's going to be September of this year. Um, we got the Lucasfilm, or not the Lucasfilm, rather the Mando Plus panel they did on Saturday, I believe, where they showed even more footage for the Mando in Season 3, which we do not get to see at home. We haven't seen yet, but there's like description stuff online, um, mm-hmm. but it's just even more stuff about that. But maybe more impressive is there was footage from the upcoming Ahsoka show. I kind of want to talk about that a little. So that's the show that's coming at some point next year, probably we think around this time next year, like like uh, late spring, early summer kind of deal. Because presumably um, this show won't be going on 
Yeah, well, exactly. So they just started filming that show like three weeks ago, and they already had footage to show them at Celebration, which is really cool. That's fun. Um, but it really, they seem to have driven home that that show is going to be the de facto Rebels sequel. Because in that trailer, they showed off Sabine um, and her live-action actress. Who oh, because I remember that now. she was kind of left off in the end of season two, right? A little bit? Of what? Of Mando. Of Mando. Who was? Uh, Sabine. Or not Sabine. Uh, who did you say? I said Sabine. Did you? Are you thinking of Bo-Katan? No, I'm, um, Kanan's Hera. girl. Am I crazy? Hera? Yeah. What about her? Didn't Wasn't there like a little tease for her at the end? Or am I crazy? Um, not that I can think of. Maybe it was something else we talked about one time. So, well, I will... She was in this. We'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. But so Bo-Katan, or not Bo-Katan, I got feel. So Sabine, we get the live action Sabine actress. She actually came out on the panel as well. She was there in person. Rosario um, Dawson was there in person for that panel. And we do get confirmation in this, in the footage that they saw. Hera is in this show. Um, we do uh, not yet know who her actress is, but at one point you see her from behind. That's probably what we talked about months ago was that the, wasn't there like some controversy over her actor? Is that what it was? Um, There's the, vague controversy around Sabine. Um, just that a lot of people and I've I've said before on the show, I say it all the time that myself included, I'm kind of in the camp that like when possible, I think it's cool to use the Oh, it was the voice the actor. voice actors. That's because we definitely talked about that at work before one time. Yeah. Yes. So that is, they didn't go with it. They went with the, the woman who was rumored, who's, I'll, I'll get her name here real quick. But um, yeah, I'm of the camp that like if they can, if they can use the voice actor, you should. And like Tia yeah. Sakar, who is the voice actor for Sabine Wren um, in Rebels, she's like an actual live action actor as well, because that's sometimes a consideration that I totally get, right? A lot of times voice actors are first and foremost voice actors right, right like they're that, not live action actors which that was like one of the considerations with um uh oh gosh what's it called ashley Eckstein, who voices ahsoka tano mm-hmm. um she's not really a live action actress so it, it makes sense right that you wouldn't use her but then you have examples like with bo-katan right who's kitty sackoff mm-hmm. she is a live action actor and they used her in the in the show and they used her voice so like when at all possible, I it works. When it works, it works. That's kind of feeling. So I get it's a case by case basis. But Tia Sakar in particular has said she would she would totally do it. And again, she does still act live action, right? She uses she does actual uh, acting roles. So I kind of wish they'd gone with her. But um, the actual uh, actor they did go with is uh, Natasha Bordizzo, I guess probably. Um, but yeah, like I said, she was there. We. You see a little bit of her in the footage. You see, like I said, Hera, which is really cool. Um, that is very cool. I think it's exciting. Yeah, one hundred percent. And like I said, it seems to kind of confirm it's going to be like this, the the de facto Rebel sequel. We also know that Chopper will be there. They had the Chopper. Oh, love Chopper. They had the Chopper droid out on <laughs> on the stage as well. So just fun stuff. That um, is fun. As far as I don't think there's a ton of really any story stuff that was revealed in that, but. Yeah, it's just kind of a direction you can see where it's going with the characters, which yeah, is cool. They're going to try to find Thrawn. They're going to try and find Ezra is what it seems like, picking up on the threads from the end of Rebels. So, Speaking of Ezra and finding Ezra, have you ever seen that Twitter account of where's Ezra? And they just tweet every, and they just tweet every day. Yeah. Still gone. Still gone. They Still nothing from the haven't boy. Haven't found him. Um, Love seeing those every morning. Kept the past week because I haven't gone on Twitter. Um, what did you think of, uh, of uh, the Bad Batch Season 2 trailer? There's some good stuff in there, right? I thought it was some good stuff. I mean, I love the Bad Batch. Uh, just that that clone Clone Wars style of animation. I yeah, I love great. the Clone Wars. I think it's just great. I'm that very show excited. Looks, I mean, it looks better even than the Clone Wars. I right? really like the season one. Uh, I, me too. Obviously, it does look better because you know it's made you know however yeah, many even years newer. after. Like it's it's 
that season's got CGI some or not CGI. The, the, the animation is very good. What well, is it is computer generated animation, so you're not you're not off. I'm just very excited for it. Can't wait for that. Well, yeah, the Cody reveal in this trailer. Yep, that too. Cody will be back, which is like something people have been asking for forever, right? Oh my god, people have been asking for Cody to. What's that? What happened to Cody? Right? Yeah. In, in uh, where's Legends, where's he been? What's going on? In Legends, right? Cody, he was more of a hardline Imperial after the Order sixty six. He like was just all for it. He started like training stormtroopers and stuff. But this one, um, apparently in the version they got shown at Celebration had a little more footage and there was a little more Cody stuff in there. But he's like he's kind of doubting it now. And him and Crosshair maybe are gonna be like maybe this isn't the route to go, which is definitely interesting. Definitely an interesting story path could be there. Um, the Batch all has new outfits, which is like. I'm not gonna lie, some of them I don't like as much as others. I like Hunt, like I think Hunter, for example, like looks cool with like just some new splashes of color on him, right? The orange and the blue. But then like I don't know, I, Echoes to me was a little strange. I didn't like his his new waist cape thing is like tan. It looks like a like a burlap sack. I don't know what that's about. But they're all getting new colors and stuff, which is fun. Um, Omega very much has a new look. It's been some significant, seemingly amount of time, right? Because she's a bit older. Um, she's got like a helmet now. She's got some more gear. She's right. got a bow, obviously. Which is good um, to see that she's finally getting something because she was, I mean, realistically, kind of just a useless child in the first. Yeah, two, she's definitely aging up. She's definitely season. she should definitely be filling that role, which is like a th- yeah, like we. Well, we she is a, a lot. she's a part of the team now. One hundred percent. We talked about that a lot in the first season that like they kept they kept going back to that plot point of like I'm I'm part of the team though too, guys. I won the team, Hunter. She got her bow. Exactly. So is, I is Echo wearing a, like a kilt looking? That's what I'm saying. He's wearing like a weird burlap sack version of his the the clone trooper comma yeah. thing. I'm really not too impressed with the uh, Wrecker's armor. No, it's like orange and yellow. What's I mean? I mean, they're not. It's not a massive departure or anything. It's just a little bit more color in some some spots and stuff. Yeah, but. I mean, the good thing is his helmet still looks good. I just I do think it's good that they're different. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, you know? I mean, like everybody changes with time. I mean, progressively throughout, like, all Star Wars, all the armor changes and everything. So, I mean, I think it looks exactly. good. Exactly. And it makes sense that, like, they're trying to distance themselves from, like, the government. Yeah, I think it looks unquote, good. right? Because they're, like, a sort of, you know, their own faction now, and they're not connected to the Republic or the Empire. They're, you know, they're spicing it up. They're they're going off regulation for their, their gear. So, yeah, I think it looks good. Um, the other big thing people are very excited about in the trailer is we got Gunji. Oh. Gunji's alive, right? That's fun. The so like people have been saying for like years, right? Since the end of Clone Wars, it was like what happened to that those younglings, right? Right. Those younglings from season five of the Clone Wars. Um, sort of famously, that was supposed to be like the the that arc was in there as a sort of um backdoor pilot scenario almost, where George Lucas was supposedly tossed in the waters to see like should we do a full uh series that is like even you know. That is a little toned down from the vibe of the Clone Wars for even younger audiences, where it's just about these younglings going on adventures. And it obviously never got off the ground, but... Um, it's a cool know, idea. Right. And since then, people have been like, what happened to him? And uh, it seems like, well, they, they got out, which is yeah. good. Uh, we get to and Obviously, add. he's older now. and Yeah, he's a little older. He's got his lightsaber. He's, he's, he's ready to go, man. Yeah. He's growling around. And hopefully, that would mean that we see some or all of the other... Presumably, ones. that means there could possibly the rest of them be coming back. And I think maybe they would just—they would definitely use Gunji for like the, you know, the the trailer because he's he's probably the most beloved in like. Yeah, I mean, just just him being a Wookiee. I mean, yeah. it kind of makes him a standout Wookie character because the rest great. of them were just 
some kind of alien we don't have a specific name for, or no, just was, a kid. Well, we have names for them. Oh, don't yeah. get me wrong. Not here. very well known. I mean, there's like, a couple humans, random. and then a Rodian and a Nautilin, I think, was. I think there was only five of them, right? So, but he is obviously the most standout of them all. Yeah, one hundred percent. So it makes sense they would use from the trailer, even if the other ones are already there. Are are there? They might not show them yet. You know, preserve the surprise. But be cool. Uh, again, um, I've said before about how like I think. Sometimes I have the the reaction of like, oh man, they're they're making a lot of Jedi survive Order sixty six, right? But I think in general, if I mean, like the ratio of to how many there were to how many survived is still very low. That's what I always like. Say. So I think we're good. It's just because most Jedi actually like Loki kind of sucked. That there was just so many of them that a right. lot of them kind of sucked. That it's just like you got to keep some of them. That's right? You my... can't just kill off all the big guys and just have all the. I mean, that's always the crappy been my. Ones. That's always been my uh, head cannon. Is that like most Jedi, like most people in any group are just average at the thing they do, right? So most Jedi are pretty good, but they're just kind of average. Like, we see a lot of Jedi in the movies who die in right. kind of unexceptional like ways, Like when Palpatine right? just, uh, when it's Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, <laughs> exactly. and those other two guys, and uh, Palpatine just absolutely slays the three of them, and then it's just Mace Windu? Exactly. And it's like, you know, what? Like 200-something Jedi come to save them on the in the arena on Geonosis, right? And most of them die. Almost all of them die. Like Except two, for the ones that we, like, well, I mean, like, obviously they all have names, but the big right. names are the only ones that survive. Pretty much. Like, 200 almost something Jedi die there, and they're just fighting battle droids. Like, yeah. most Jedi are not, are by definition going to be big monsters. Yeah. So, that's what I've always said. It's like, yeah, we have the standout characters that we always follow. Your Ahsokas and your your Anakins and your Obi-Wans, right? Like, truly top tier, but a lot of them aren't, and it makes sense. It makes sense that they don't yeah they don't all make it but i think it's uh it's good that we get confirmation that the 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 younglings live we don't have to yeah that's a we don't have to live with the knowledge that those <laughs> those five poor kids were cut down in order 66 hopefully so they made or maybe it. well yeah, at least we know one of them yeah at least one of them maybe though that will be part of it is that like a couple of them didn't make it that'd be grim but it would some of them made it yeah so it's cool uh, again we don't have a ton of like the plot they're just kind of making their way to the galaxy still. Again, Cody, Gunji, good stuff. Very that's, that's that's recipe for success right there. Glad to get confirmation. And yeah. it's it's like end of um end of September, right? But it's gonna overlap in a big way with Andor, which is what we've been saying. Which is what's well, so weird the way they've chosen to space out some of these projects. Because like I, I all, thought they tried. To, very weird. Yeah, I would have tried to. I would have thought they would have tried to minimize that just a little bit. But then we've you know we've speculated on the show. There's there's definitely a thing of like, you know, okay, we need if they if they want to get maximum money out of everyone, then like there's probably a sweet spot of distance between shows where it's it's a little. There's always distance. should be something rolling. But... Well, like maybe a little bit of gap. So right between yeah. Them. So like okay, well, you pay for another month even though you're only getting a week of content. This, the, <laughs> like, the suite of like twenty three days where it's like yeah, there's no Star Wars content on Disney Plus for like twenty three days, but you can't catch cancel your subscription because you need to watch exactly. the next thing that comes up in like the next three to eight days. One hundred percent because Kenobi will be done this month, right? Um, and then Andor doesn't come out until August, end of August. So that's then, a nice. So it's almost two full months. Yeah. Or I think it's actually a little over two two calendar months where there's no content, it's sometime but it's just September, barely yeah. enough, right? Because that means you can't cancel for June, you can't cancel for August. So are you really going to cancel for July? But uh, right, that's why it's. I guess I'm just surprised that they are having Andor overlap so much because Andor will only be going for like three or four weeks before the Bad Batch gets started up as well, and then they're just going to keep rolling together for like twelve weeks, which is good because there's Star Wars content, but it sometimes 100%. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, and we, but. 
I guess it's because and really next year, I guess, is when it really starts to like pile on all the all the stuff. Well, right, because like shows. what that was like a year ago where they just released like all those. It was like ten shows they were planning on, like ten projects yeah. they were planning on doing. Well, next week or next year already, we know like so we got the Mandalorian and then Ahsoka probably season two of Andor most likely. We have season two of Star Wars Visions. I don't know, likely a third season of the Bad Batch. Boba um, Fett maybe. Or is I don't know, that? I don't think it's on the on the confirmed necessarily, but they do have that new show potentially Boba Fett, um, Skeleton Crew, uh, the Young Jedi Adventure show that they announced. Like, and some of these are minor than others. Oh, Tales of the Jedi is also the end of this year. Actually, I'm gonna think of, that's the, that is this year again in the fall, which again is kind of weird. Like, but whatever. Um, so there's, I think they're really starting to pile up, so they don't have to they don't have to worry, um, I guess, as much about space them out and being a uh, being conservative with them they can just kind of disperse them all out yeah. throughout the year now, the next so. couple of years is looking good oh yeah there's gonna be plenty Tons of, star of wars stuff to talk about plenty of star wars stuff yeah i think i think that's covered it is it tales of the jedi I, I don't think we covered much last week but we got some tales of the jedi stuff um which is a new animated show also in the clone wars kind of style it's gonna we know the first season quote-unquote let's call it um three episodes about ahsoka three episodes about count dooku oh um and then yeah, like we said, uh, I, I just mentioned it, but Star Wars Visions Season 2 um, will be out next year as well, which is cool. We, yeah. we like Star Wars Visions this year, so it's cool. It's, um, again, it's just kind of weird. Like, I don't know. Some of these shows are going to hope, – I'm hoping some of these shows will have a more standard release window. And, again, you can't discount that, like, times are still kind of weird right now, but um, I'm hoping that, like, Andor will get a release next year. I mean, The Mandalorian for two seasons at least kept up a pretty – tight release window and yeah i mean it was pretty it was consistent yeah where they well i guess really only one season but they were you know it was like november and then november again um now they've taken like a year and a half off kind of but it also how does book a boa fett factor in there right uh but even like the bad batch here right last it came out last year in may it's coming out this year in september um visions came out last uh september i want to say august september and now it doesn't come out till next spring so i, I don't know but like there's a bit of ink. I mean, it's inconsistent, but I mean, like, there's definitely plenty. It's a lot going. They got a lot going on. So exactly, there's enough to fill in the gaps that it shouldn't be a big deal. I'm hoping that Andor will be next year as well, and not like the following. But again, it is what it is. Um, they also mentioned just offhand, but like the Lando series is still being worked on, which I'm, I got high hopes for. I think they'd be cool. Apparently, I mean, he's a great character. People, this people were on like. I was just seeing some reaction online where like people were not very hyped for that one. They they didn't really care basically one way or the other if it if it got made or not. But I think it's got some cool potential, especially I think. I mean, I think he's just a cool, unique character that has a lot to bring to the table. Where you could take that in many directions. I that's honestly how I felt is like if you do a Lando show, and I maybe this is kind of cliche to say at this point, but I really think that could be a new interesting direction if they really like committed to it of like. He's Lando. He's on his own. Like he's not. You don't have to connect it heavily. Just gambling with, like, and just having a good time. Exactly. You, know? you don't have to connect it heavily with the rebels or the Empire. Or whatever. It's just. It's just its own thing. It's just yeah. a little. Just a little context backstory about that just character. Doing some about his character. Some underworld kind of hijinks. And I think yeah. the. Or how he came to be in the in the movies. A lot of people were speculating about like you could do like you could have them both right. You could have Billy D and um, Donald Glover, and you could have like Billy D. Like reminiscing about his past, and then have Donald Glover, you know, right. living it out. I think I think there's potential there, but um, I think it'll probably wrap us up for today. Eh? Yeah. Well, I just want to say again, uh, thanks for coming along. Colin. Of course, thank you for thanks having for, me. Thanks for coming in clutch here for us yep. this week. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Akatak Jazz. Our email is akatakjazz at gmail.com. Um, we're also on Instagram. It's the Akatak Podcast on Instagram. 
As always, our logo was done by friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram. And he's also on Redbubble, where you can purchase some of his designs. Our theme song, our opening intro, was done by friend of the show, Celery Salt. He's going to have a new album in July now. So July at some point. Keep out next month. You know, we're, we're within a we're within spent distance of it now. Hold on to your seats, folks. As always, <laughs> we wrote it, we produced it, and we uh, built all the sets. Uh, Colin, you want to say goodnight to the people? Till next time, fellow viewers. Good night and Godspeed, everybody. <laughs>